1: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is post-game time. That's Sean Davis. I'm Brian Driscoll, and we are going to talk about Notre Dame's 44-21 win over UNLV. Sean, there's definitely some good things to take out of this game, which we'll talk about, but also, based on you and I's conversation, we feel very similarly about just the overall way that the game went today and just sort of the frustration that we had with this football team and continue to have with this football team in the win. But, uh, you know, obviously a game that was never really in doubt, Sean. I mean, from the from the outset, Notre Dame really really had control of the game, all game. You know, I mean, it was 30-7 to at halftime. I mean, you know, UNLB made it, was it 37-21 in the fourth quarter? It was never a game you really felt Notre Dame was going to lose. But that should be the case when you talk about a team that's that is like UNLV, who's coming off of their two and sixteen the last two years. Now they're they're developing, and I think Marcus Arroyo has done a really nice job of that team. But they don't have the horses Notre Dame has, and they didn't have their quarterback in this game, and then their starting running back didn't play till the second half. So it was a little bit of a frustrating game for me. Uh, I know that you feel the same way, but I'm gonna try as best we can, Sean, to keep this thing organized and and try to find a glimmer of hope in some areas. But at the end of the day, Sean, it was just a, it was a really frustrating game, to be honest with you, because the question I asked you, and I'll ask you here in front of everybody else so they can under, they can hear your answer, outside of a play here or a play there, what was different today than what we've seen against past teams other than the opponent was inferior? I mean, what did we see that was different today, really?
2: The opposite team just didn't have enough to make it closer. That was it. That was it. I think we saw UNLV come in with a similar mindset of how to attack Notre Dame on offense. That was similar to BYU, similar to Stanford. And once again, you know, big run plays being given up. Linebackers not filling gaps, missed tackles. Not being able to get quarterbacks down when you have an opportunity to record a sack—it's all the same. It's, it's all the same, and so that's the disappointing thing, you know. It's good for Marcus Freeman to get that home win monkey off his back. Sure, I'm sure he took a deep breath at the end of the game. Scott, like,
1: well, two of them now, right? This is yeah. number win number two, right? Yeah. So,
2: you know, after beating Cal, so right. You know, we talked about it. We were texting during the game, and and I'll say this. I think the biggest takeaway for me is that Notre Dame can run the ball when they need to. The only difference is I don't think – I don't feel like – I think Marcus Freeman knows who his team is. I don't think that they have collectively –
1: I think he knows it. (laughs) So his body language after the game, Sean, and in the press conference was one of a coach who's very frustrated. Yeah, with because and in some ways that's a good thing. If he if he watched that game and was like, "Yo, we've turned the corner. We just beat UNLV, forty-four to twenty-one. We're good." I'd be very troubled, very troubled. Yeah, but he was. I mean, you could just see it after the game, Sean. He was frustrated. I mean even when he was talking about how good the win was you could see in his face that was not the body language of a guy whose football team just won a 44 to 21 game and was winning 30 to 7 at halftime you could see his frustration and that was a good thing you know he said he said it he said look I truly believe we're a good football team we just don't play very well we don't play good all the time and and that's kind of where we're coming from and which means you're not a good football team right but that's but the point of what he's saying is It's not that we don't have the ability to be a good football team. We just don't play like a good football team. And he's absolutely right. Because I'll say this defensively, I you know, to to talk about some positives. Number one, Michael Mayer is just a ridiculous football player. I mean, you know, he had the had a couple drops in this game, right? So he's human. He had two drops in this game. One cost a touchdown, the other one was on a bubble screen. And I don't even get me started on why. The only bubble screen you've thrown all season was to your 265-pound tight end. Uh, But that's a different conversation for a a different day. But he just made some ridiculous plays. Logan Diggs had a a good game. Obviously, they used him a ton. He is now the, the lead back. We'll get into that here in a little bit. But I did think in the first half, outside of one play, I did think the defense played much better in the first half. Now, it was easier to play better because they didn't have their starting quarterback. You know, and, and he took away some of that. And then they they put Harrison Bailey in in the second half. If you remember him, the former five-star recruit that played at Tennessee, you know, and he starts off running around and, and making plays. And, and the second half, we saw the defense that we've seen most of the first six games, which is the one that's talented enough to make stops, but one that's going to be too undisciplined, missing gaps, missing tackles, blown assignments of coverage, all that other kind of stuff. We just, just – that team was on yeah, – they did not come out in the second half with the same fire that they had in the first half. Uh, they at least after the second drive because I think they they forced a, let me see my notes I believe they forced a three and out on the first drive of the second half and no they uh, forced a punt on the first drive of the second half and then after that they just kind of just and then offensively obviously you didn't see some good things but I I was encouraged here's something I was encouraged by because I do want to focus on some positives because again they did win forty four to twenty one. And, and you know, but I thought seeing Isaiah Foskey bounce back emotionally and with his play after what I believe last week was the worst game of his career and you start hearing people talk about how he's checked out and all this other kind of stuff, and then you see him come out this week and play with his hair on fire, I mean, three sacks, two blocked punts That's how you want your veterans to respond, right, Sean? I mean, he, he was going against an inferior opponent, and, he's, and he played like how a star is supposed to play against an inferior opponent. Had three sacks, multiple pressures, two blocked punts. You know, I, I, it was good to see that. I thought Riley Mills played very well in this game. Uh, we, obviously, that was a positive. And, and Marist had a lot of mistakes, but he flashed in this game more than we've seen him in, in past games, Sean, where at least he made some, I think he had like two tackles for loss and still way too many mistakes, way too many mistakes. But at least we saw some of that stuff, you know um you know so we did see some of that in, in this game and and um uh, you know that's at least somewhat of a positive uh, that you were able to kind of go out and see them play you know some of those guys kind of come out and play in, in ways where you felt like okay at least you got him back playing at a high level at least at least you got Fosky back playing at a high level but there's still just too much there's just too much with this football team that just frustrates you and you know, what today's game was, you know, it was 44-21, and, and, you know, we'll do super chats at the end, but there's one I just got to pull up because I think this is how a lot of people seem to be feeling. Tyler Evans said with well, a super chat, and by the way, thank you, Tyler, for the super chat, but Tyler says this was the most disappointing 44-21 win, and the offensive game plan feels the same, and I give the UNLV running back Reese props. I and mean, he was definitely the best Reese out in the game today. There's no doubt about that, but, you know, I mean, you just kind of you kind of look at the game and and – you know, I the frustrating thing about the defense, I'm gonna stay on the defense for a second because I think at least that's a side of the ball that you could look at and say, you know, for at least a portion of this game, I, I did think they played really well. Because the reality is, is the defense gave the offense a lot of opportunities in this game to really to really run this. I mean, Notre Dame in the first half, if I'm if my notes are correct, let me just check here real quick. Notre Dame had one I think it was six, but one, two, three, four, five, six, six possessions in the first half where Notre Dame started a drive off in the opponent territory in UNLV territory. And I mean, and, and yeah, they scored 30 points, but honestly they should have had over 50 at halftime. I mean, how, how do you go through seven, six drives? And you score touchdowns on two of them. And you know, you just, you, you look, you look, you look at it and you say it's just frustrating, and it's the same stuff over and over and over again. You know, you, you're 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 running a nothing but a bunch of a gap runs into crowded boxes, and expecting to have success, and and then you get silly comments like the offensive line's overrated or whatever. I don't know what people are watching half the time. It drives me nuts, but that's what happens when you're when you call games like you called today. I mean, you talk about the first drive, and here's another thing that frustrates me: first drive of the game, offense comes out. They're moving the ball. They're going tempo. They're getting the ball out. You get a really nice bootleg play action call to Michael Mayer goes for 23 yards. You call a really nice post route uh, to Jaden Thomas from the inside. Again, we always say Jaden Thomas is better in the slot. He goes and makes a play and you get a touchdown and you're going tempo. You're not doing a lot of scan stuff on that drive. And then you go to the very next drive and you're back to the scan and you're back to slowing down the tempo and you're back to going slow, and you're back to just doing the same old thing that, that you saw in past weeks, which kept the offense from getting any kind of momentum. And it allows the defense to continue to get lined up and get into looks. And it just blows my mind to see that. We see very little change from the run game. There's an outside zone, one play, a stretch, another play, and then that was it. It was just duo. We would see a lot, saw a little bit of in, inside zone in this game. And counter is the same regurgitated Run game that we saw in last past weeks. And the only reason Notre Dame had the yards they had in this game, they ended up rushing for uh 223 yards in this game, but they only averaged 4.7 yards a carry. They would have had 225 yards uh if you would have taken away the knee at the end. But you know, you look at the 225 yards, and they were yards that you just got because your offensive line just was able to push you and of around. They weren't, they weren't and and I thought Logan Diggs ran hard. I thought Chris Terry ran hard. But the reality is, is that you just pushed around an inferior opponent. You know, we said it during our our week of prep for this game, Sean. Is this is just not a we, we liked a lot of the talent we saw on offense. They got Ricky White, the Michigan State transfer, Doug Grumfield's a good player who didn't play today. But there there isn't that kind of talent on defense. I mean, yeah, forty four points. It means that means what you are is your San Jose State and Air Force. That's who you are. If you're Notre Dame on offense. And so it's just uh, it's just a, a, a very frustrating thing because you watch it and, you're, and you just see the things that happen: drop passes, you know, false starts, misthrows, missed misreads, missed and all these things. This guy did that, and that guy did that. But Sean, they're all hallmarks of a team who just isn't coached to play fundamentally sound football. It's a, it, they're all hallmarks of a team that's just not coached well, and and the fact that you watched what your team did in recent weeks, and then you just regurgitated the same game plan. Because you know what's happened to BYU since they played Notre Dame? Their defense is getting annihilated by people. They got ripped up by Oregon. They got ripped up by Arkansas. Liberty ripped them up today. Notre Dame yeah. went for 28. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, I, and I'm supposed to believe that Lorenzo Styles sucks all of a sudden, and the Lindsey finally they finally get got him on the perimeter. We see two RPOs in the first half, and easy 10, 11 yard gains, and then gone, gone. Yep. It's like he just ran him. Like I will shut Driscoll up, you know, and, and then stopped using him. And then to go into ice the game mode on drive numero uno of the second half <laughs> was just like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I, I I don't even know what else to say. Like oh, yeah. you have no heart. You don't coach no. with any heart if you're on no. offense, which means your players don't play with any heart. And I said to Sean Styles before the game, I said I watched them in pregame. I watched them come. Up, I said this team is just just they're just going through the motions. Sean, I thought the defense at least played a little fire in the first half, but you're just not going to beat teams when your offense just does what they do and refuses to change. And we'll get into specifics of, you know, player production and, and lack thereof and all that. But I just don't see how you watch what you've done and come out against UNOV And and with a couple minor tweaks, I mean, all they did was just a couple minor tweaks, Sean. That's it. Just a couple minor tweaks. Yeah. Instead of taking up what they were doing, throwing it up and putting it in the shredder and starting over. I mean, that, that would have been better. It just It's um, it, it's just like a buddy of mine texted me. He, go, he said to me again, he's like, look, man, I think your mom might be right. He's like, because if you you know, maybe he is doing this on purpose. Because this is what someone would do if they were trying to do tank this thing on purpose. I mean, and I don't know what else to say. And I don't believe that. But it's I'm having I'm running out of things to say to argue against that when people come at me with that, Sean. Because I don't know how else to explain what we saw today on offense. Seven possessions in the first half that you started in UNLV territory, and you got two touchdowns.
2: Yeah, and it goes back to what you said. Uh, Even in the post game, you know, Marcus Freeman was asked about the Mitchell Mitchell Evans quarterback sneak, and you know, he says, "Well, you know, that's that's Tommy's creativity." No, it's not. He saw the Kansas City Chiefs do it three weeks ago. Like that's Tommy's not being creative. Exactly. (laughs) There's nothing creative about that, (sighs) and it's like. Look, like you said, they just throw in a little tweak here or there. They go up, upbeat on the first drive, and then go back to what they think is best. And once again, you know, I told you this, and I'll stand on it. This team is coached with fear by this coaching staff. They are absolutely fearful of mistakes being made. And they figure as long as we play it close to the vest, we can win the game. And that is disrespectful to the talent that you have. That's why they stay stay in 12 personnel all the time.
1: All game. All
2: the time. All when their best formations come from 11
1: personnel. Where, where'd 21 go?
2: Where, where'd where 21 personnel everyone
1: go? Else, everyone else works well with 21. Notre Dame worked well with 21 against North Carolina and Cal. Where'd that Absolutely. go? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason they shut it down, you know why they
2: shut it down. We talked about it. In my opinion, Drew Pine shouldn't have come back in the game after he got hit in the goal line.
1: Put Steve Angeli in the game. Why would you expose that boy to more injury? Why would you do that? I'm glad the doctors took him in the
2: tent. I'm sure he talked himself back on the field. Angeli was in that game. If you were going to play it close to the best and run the ball, Angeli can do that. Because at that point in time, Drew hadn't played well, and he didn't play well after that. He mm-hmm. didn't. Now, Michael Mayer dropped the pass that was right on the money. That should have been a touchdown. I'll put that on Michael Mayer. Other than that, yeah. Royal Styles was wide open. Wide open on the corner route. Chris Tyree, wide open running down the middle of the field.
1: Braden Lindsey didn't, didn't have it on one of the third downs in the first quarter. He did not have a defensive back within 15 yards of him. And Drew Pine never looked at him through into almost triple coverage to Michael Mayer on third down.
2: Man, on top of that, Braden Lindsay's wide open on the fly route.
1: Yeah, PD. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. He
2: threw the ball out of bounds.
1: Oh, that one, yeah. I'm talking about another he one.
2: put yeah. on the back of the end zone. And you have to say bias was open
1: on the third down as well, and he just stared yes. right at right at Mayor. Yeah. Same old, same old.
2: Yeah. I, it gets to a point now where we were talking, and I said, look, I don't want to come on this show and continue to bang and point out the negative things about this team. I refuse. Look, I'm not mentioning one but there's a certain position on the defense side of the ball I refuse to even talk about today. If Ryan wants to talk about it. I'm not even touching them. I'm not touching them with a 10-foot pole because it's just at this point. Let me tell you something that I saw today. Ryan, Brian, you were at the game. Ryan, maybe you saw it. Clemson, Syracuse mm-hmm. in the third quarter. Kate Clemson comes into the game, and they know that they have to play well around him in order to win this game. Yep. The start right tackle gets two false starts. Hey, guess what happened to him, Brian? Guess what happened to him? Dabble said, bring your tail right over here. And he never saw the field again. Yep. And they wouldn't won the game with the backup. Accountability. Accountability. And anytime you keep watching, people make the same mistakes over and over again. And there's no action or reaction to it from the coaching staff. What are we doing? I guess they didn't get the right look to get Tobias the ball today. Whatever look that was doesn't mean that he wasn't open.
1: Well, he was open, but they they didn't run him. They didn't put him in many positions where he was a featured receiver. He was open on a third down. And it just forced it to mayor again, into coverage. Into, and here's the thing is like, that, that's on Drew did. Pine, right? That's on Drew Pine. He's got to do better. But at some point in time, you ask yourself, what is this kid being taught that nothing changes week after week after week? Absolutely. Nothing changes for a Absolutely. junior. It's a start five now. I'm sorry. You should start saying more now. You're in start five. And, and it just, but nothing changes nothing and so
2: that for me that is what i'm watching moving forward right because they'll find a way to stick around against they'll find a way to stick around against syracuse
3: well sean that was the best that was the best part man is i was on the board and someone was like oh they're gonna get killed by syracuse they're gonna get killed by clubs i'm like no they're not they're They're gonna be in the game man they're just gonna let you down you know like it's just gonna be one of those things where like oh wow Notre Dame's yeah. magic because this is what Notre Dame is right now. Ready? This is what Notre Dame is. I'm gonna play up to the really good teams, I'm gonna play mm-hmm. down to the bad teams. That's what Notre yeah. Dame is, man. Like Notre Dame coaching, has talent right? at the end of the day. That's, like
2: that's, that's coaching, what right? That goes to coaching, right? You play up to your talent, play down to your talent. That's coaching. There's no if, ands, or buts about it, right? And you know, yeah. when I point out, I'm not, I don't care how Clemson won the game. I don't care if they were helped out by the refs. The point is a head coach who knew he had a freshman in the game and they couldn't afford silly mistakes was not about to allow a starter to be the reason that he put his freshman quarterback in a bad position and he yanked them at the most important part of the game accountability, right? Because as a coach, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. Ryan, I, I don't have I guess I can. But if I'm a coach, I should be coaching everybody in my room to play on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. You're the
3: CEO, man. You're the overseer. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: I'm not coaching a freshman to say, well, you know, you just keep plugging away. We're expecting you to play next year. No. You're two injuries away from having to play. And if I'm not getting you ready, then that's a problem with me. Yeah, that's the problem with me. And you can't make those type of decisions unless you feel like, you know what? We got somebody behind you that'll play. We have somebody behind you that'll do what needs to be done.
3: Sean, you can't you can't make a change if you don't think there's a problem. Like that's that's the point of point. Sean, you you saw it, man. There was like two minutes left to the third quarter. And they're like, all right, we're going to go to duo all game now and just ride Logan digs when you're up by what was it at one point it was like 38 21 or something like that I'm like or 37 21 I'm like buddy you have you are playing against a team because I don't even know if you guys talked about this before I hopped on UNLV didn't have their starting quarterback they didn't have their starting running back they They were their defenders yeah, and one of their linebackers was hurt too. You played against a team that is not very good, and you—they didn't have two of their best offensive players and their best defense, uh, one of their better linebackers. Yeah. And you were just like, "Nope, hang around with us. Hang around, stay in. Yeah. Like, we'll keep you in this football game." I just, I, I just, it was, it was demoralizing to watch, man. Like, I'm watching this game, and I'm like, "Wow, you know," at one point you're up thirty to seven. Right. You're on 30 to seven. And I'm like, this is not fun, man. Like, this is not good football. There's no growth. And Brian, we talked about this all week, man. Like, you and it came out to fruition, right? It's like you want a game 44 to uh, 44 to 14 or sorry, 44 21. to 21. And it like at one point you were like, oh, maybe, you know, this game could be 40 something to whatever. And it didn't feel like there was no positivity to it. Cause you're like, nothing right. here has changed. Like everything's exactly the same. This is a stagnant football team right now. This is stagnant, man. There's no growth. And at some point you have to be like, what, what, what is going to elicit a change? Cause right now I don't know what's going to make something change. I mean, Sean, does it, is it going to take getting blown out against Clemson? Cause like Brian, we were just talking about it. I know what this Notre Dame team is going to do. They're going to go into Clemson. They're going to play Syracuse. They're going to play all these good teams that they have coming up. And it's going to be a good football game and they're going to come out just a little short and you're going to talk yourself into, oh, you know, just a couple changes, just a couple changes, even though it's not.
1: They're going to win one of them, guys. They're going to win one of them. Probably. Probably. And and again, that's what's going to happen because they're going to show up to play emotionally in that game and they're going to win one of them. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to mask the issues that exist. And, And look. And, and I get some people are going to be frustrated by the tenor of our show. I get that. I understand, and I and I sympathize with you. You guys, they won forty four to twenty one. Why are you guys not happy? It's it, it's exactly what we always talk about, though, right? This is how the first half of this game, fellas, to me was a perfect example of what I say and what we all we all talk about, which is why process is so important more important than results because the results were they were up 30 to 7 but you watched it and you're like that's just because UNLV is really bad right now they don't have their quarterback they're they're you know the 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 Notre Dame defense played well outside of one play right I thought they played well they they made some minor changes and tweaks it's just but it was more about Notre Dame's defensive linemen are just way better than the blockers that UNLV had which we talked Talk about, it. I mean, they just couldn't block Riley Mills. They just couldn't block Isaiah Foskey. They just couldn't block, you know, certain guys. But then there would come plays where, you know, you, you just see a, you know, Nana get, get logged inside on a long run where they bounce outside of it. And then the linebackers don't properly scrape because they, you know, and then the linebackers are going to get blamed for it because they don't know how to get over top of things. But then you're like, but you've got to, Nana, you got to set that edge, right? Force that sucker back inside. And then you you get the one long run where you know, JD and Maris both just get blocked out and DJ Brown just gets embarrassed in open field against their backup UNLV's back up running back. You know, but then they just overwhelmed them the rest of the way. But there was never a yeah. point in time you're like, okay, they're they're doing something different, you know, and and that was sort of the frustrating thing for me, guys, is we just we didn't really see a whole lot different. I thought JD Bertrand had more positive snaps in this game than he's had in recent games. But then there's still those big mistakes that you're just like, dude, how are you a senior and a returning tackler still making these same mistakes? And it just it's frustrating. And then, like you said, nothing changes. You know, Dabo bench is the starting quarterback. And as you said, Sean, the right tackle in that game. And look what happened when they did that. This team went out and they responded. They went out and responded and, and ended up beating a good Syracuse team. Notre dame just continues to trot out the same dudes over and over yes. and over again, making the same yeah. mistakes over and over and over again. You're gonna tell me you trust Lorenzo Styles right now more than you trust Tobias Merriweather, Deion Colsey? Why? What has he done? I mean, sometimes you want like maybe getting that kid off the field might help him because there's something wrong with Lorenzo right, and I don't know what it is. And I don't want to be too hard on him because, guys, to me, as a coach, I'm seeing some warning signs of a young for the young man. Forget the mm-hmm. football part of it for a second. I'm wanting to pull him in and and have a talk. If I'm as a receivers coach, and I'm the offensive coordinator, head coach, I'm pulling him into my office on Monday, and we're not talking football at first. Man, mm. I mean, talk to me. What's going on with you? Because I that's not you, but there's just body language from him mm. that tells me there's something more to this than just him losing confidence from a football standpoint. So I, I'm I want to be I want to be honest about that first, but then from a football standpoint, he he's not playing well. And, you know, part of it is, I mean, maybe frustration because he's not getting the ball. But then when you do get the ball, you drop it on third down. So yeah, this wasn't was all on Drew Pine. That, that, ball that was one of the hands.
3: I was going to say, that was one of Drew's best balls of the day, man, on that and over route. Reams. Like, he had him right in the chest. Was, hey, yeah. guys,
1: Michael Mayer was open on that play. Did y'all sure. see that? Mayer was open, and he still went to Lorenzo. And then you say, why does he always lock it on Mayer? Well, he tried going to somebody else early, and the dude drops the ball on third down. You know, and it's just like – it's frustrating. So I mean, I, I I get why some people might be frustrated by our tenor, but I mean, y'all, I saw the same stuff today, game plan wise, schematically, mistakes that we saw last week. Just UNLV's not very good on D. De- they're really bad on defense. Well, well Brian, like, go ahead, I, go ahead Brian. Go ahead.
3: Oh, no, I was just gonna say, Brian, like we talked about it when you had to hop off for a second. It's just like before the end of the third quarter. And then definitely all the way through the fourth quarter, it was just like, let's just run duo all day and get out of this football game. I'm like, buddy, like you didn't fix anything. Like nothing happens. Like I, I understand that there's like a madness spectrum of like, Hey, you know, things aren't working right now. Right. At one point, drew was like nine of 20 passing. Like the passing game is just not working, but this is the game where like you fix some of that, right? Like you take chances. And this was a game where I felt like when it was kind of down the stretch, they were just kind of like, nope, complacency. Let's just get out of here. Let's just get out of here. And that's like again, and if it's you're just gonna do that, mindset. put Steve
1: Angeli in the game. Exactly. If you're just gonna run exactly. the ball and get out of the game, put Steve Angeli in the game. Because and, and I'm not talking about bench and Drew, I'm talking about the kid was hurt. You're blowing this team out, and you're just gonna run the ball. Why not put 18 in the game and let him get some experience? You know, he came in and handed the ball off a couple times. You know, like it, it just You're now seven games in. You just played UNLV, and you were unable to play in a way that allowed you to get your young guys into the game and get them some experience. Seven games in, and with Marshall, a bad Stanford team, and UNLV on your schedule, you have yet to have a game, because you lost two of those games, where you've been able to get your backup guys into the game and get them some playing time. Just, I mean, guys, it's getting to the point where it's embarrassing. And and, and I got to tell you, it was – it was so telling seeing Marcus Freeman's body language after the game. I'm talking, forget just in the press conference. Watch him when they were singing the alma mater. I was not a happy guy. I was yeah. not a happy guy because I think he sees it. You know, I mean, he sees it, and you know, people are like, oh well, the- Freeman's making Reese do that. I'm curious where that's coming from. All of a sudden, I'm like if he was making him do that, then why is he so pissed? You know, so you know, there's a difference between saying, "Hey, I want you to run the ball," and "I want you to have the most uncreative, unimaginative, easy to defend run game in the history of college football." There, those things are not the same. Yes, Marcus Freeman wants this team to run the football, as he should. Have you seen the offensive line and, they, and the running backs and the tight end that they have? This should be a team that runs the football effectively, but it doesn't mean that all, that ninety five, ninety nine percent of your runs are a gap runs. Which is just, I mean, (laughs) do you think Marcus Freeman's walking in there saying, "Hey, look, I know Chris Tyree is really fast, but I'd like for you to use him the same way we would have used Jerome Bettis if he was here." Just (laughs) duo inside runs down, and then the poor kid finally gets one call up the seam and throws it over his head. So, you know, now this is a bit frustrating.
2: Did you you see the? Just to go to the effort with Lorenzo, the last touchdown, just watch. His effort on the block. The fact that Braden had to go outside to get outside of that guy on that touchdown. Lorenzo's block was just, just non-existent.
1: Yeah. He's like going through the motions it? in a lot of ways, fellas. That's, what that's was
2: that? That was- and, and my question to both of you guys, like, has it gotten to the point Well, the skill position guys are so frustrated, not only with the play caller, but with the quarterback. Like, are guys running and saying, dude, because I know for me, if I'm playing with a guy in basketball and he's just constantly shooting or the point guard just keeps throwing the ball to him, at some point, like, you're just not going to get me involved? Right. And then when I'm throwing the ball, you know, it goes off of my hands. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Because I'm not concentrating because I've, I've checked out. Because it's right. like, this is this is what we're doing. We're going to keep doing this.
1: Right. And
2: there might be some frustra- frustration sure. coming in with these skilled position players. Sure, like a, a lot. Being open and the ball being forced to 87. And, and look, it's your job to stay in the game. Right right, as a player. It's your job to right. stay in the game, but it's also the job of the coordinator and the quarterback to keep you in the game, which will co- you. Yeah.
3: It'll I mean, the coaches easy. need to keep you locked in, man. Like, that's Absolutely. part of their job. Absolutely.
1: They need to keep like, you engaged. You got that, right. You got that post route that Jaden Thomas early in the game, and it's like, okay, where was stuff like that the rest of the game? I mean, there's, right. there's different ways to get to that stuff, which was there. I mean, you know, look, there are some things to build on. Obviously, Logan Diggs is a good back and and we we liked what saw from him today you saw the shots down the field again couple anyway you saw the a couple rpos it's like okay it's in the offense and it worked like why is the stuff that work we just they go away from so quickly like you see a stretch play to chris tyree goes for eight easy yards and then it's like the rest of the game we don't see it again Yeah, and it's like, were you like running it because you thought it wouldn't work, and then when it worked, you're like, "Oh crap, we can't do that again." It's 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 silly, it's silly and petty to say that, but like, but what else? What other excuse do I have for why these things happen, guys? I mean, Ryan texted us, Sean. We are we all so just so y'all know, we're in like a group chat. The three of us during during a game, which is always fun. And he throws a couple RPOs, and Ryan's like, "Was that an RPO?" And guys, it was stealing yards. You get yeah. an RPO out to Brayden Lindsey early. He makes a guy miss, gets 10 yards, first down. You throw – it was on an outcut. You throw a hitcher out to Lorenzo Styles. He makes a cut, makes guys miss, picks up 11 yards. And then later you throw a now screen. You didn't finally call an actual screen, and it, it's called to Jaden Thomas. Right? Jaden Thomas can do some good football things. We've seen it. That's not one of them. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. so there just was so much just like, what are you – doing. It, yeah. They just they're not using their personnel effectively. And this was a game, yeah. fellas, where your game plan should have been about we're going to do things to get the receivers the ball. I thought to a degree there was some of that. I do think early there was some of that. That's what the RPOs were the jet sweep, the Lindsay. There was definitely some things to try to get the receivers the ball, the crossing route to Lorenzo Styles. But then you get up 30 to seven and you just went away from it. Like I felt like the third quarter should have been let's come out, let's be aggressive and let's build some momentum and then we can kind of run this thing in the fourth quarter. And they just came out and it was just like, you know, you ran a You ran a jet sweep on drive one on the first play and it goes 15 yards. I'm like, okay, great. They're not. And then it was duo for three yards, bubble screen to your tight end. And then just a poorly, poorly designed corner. I mean, a poorly thrown corner out, but it's like, that's the throw you're going to on third and seven. You're asking Drew Pine to make that throw. Like, again, not using your personnel. It's almost kind of like on third down, they're almost going to have to start taking Michael Mayer out, out of the game on third down at times if they want the ball to go somewhere else. I mean, that's absurd to say, but I mean – Well, how about this? I, yeah.
2: How about using 87 as a decoy? How about allowing him to
1: manipulate the coverage to Sean, open talk up about,
2: areas of the talk field? talk about
1: how that would work in practice because – because if you're good, using as a decoy, you have to instruct your quarterback to do that. So explain what that what that means as a decoy, Sean.
2: So basically, you want Michael Mayer on third down the majority of the time is going to be the center of attention for the defense, particularly the secondary. Because at this point, I don't think anyone is going to leave a linebacker one on one with Michael Mayer on third and six, seven, or eight. And most of what we've seen from Stanford and other teams on third downs, they're going to use some type of bracket coverage, double team, over, under. Fine. You use Michael Mayer to open up an area of the defense that, whether it's levels or anything else, that you can get a receiver into on the move and get a first down. It's very simple. I'm sure you guys can give it more football lingo to further, like, build on that. But it's simple, no, you got right? It. If, if this is our go-to guy and they're going to double him, then guess what? Get the ball out of your hands and move it to somebody else to make a play. It's simple. Sh- Sean, you, you saw
3: Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Sean. I was just thinking about, like, that seam ball that Michael Mayer made that incredible catch on, right? Yeah. If you do that seam play again, except you bring an in, inside breaking right, on, right underneath yeah. of
2: him, it's going to be yes. wide open. Because now they're like,
3: oh, Mayer can make a play down the seam.
1: now." It, yes. Uh... yes, it's going to be wide open. That was an interesting right? – I still open. don't know how he caught it. I, it was incredible. I was, waiting to, incredible. I was waiting to see, like, he's really not human, and he put his arms through the dude and gave away that he's not from this planet. That's what I thought we were going to see, but nope, he he wasn't. That was just Man, a ridiculous catch. Him? It is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous to put Michael
2: Mayer to the field on third and six and seven for him to run a hitch. He's a effect- let him be effective from hash to hash. You don't have the quarterback with the arm to make that throw. You don't. Stop forcing him. You know he's going to look at 87. You know this. And where was the ball on that route? Low into the outside. Inaccurate throw. Mayor is basically just dancing with the defensive back and turning around. It's like you're limiting what he can do. Like he's better than that. Why would you just ask him to do that? He's better than that. Put him in a better position. It's for the usage of these players, people can talk about they don't have talent. They don't have speed. I call cap to all of that. Yeah. Cap. Big cap. They're not being re- used correctly. They're not. They're absolutely not being used correctly.
3: And Chuck, we continue to see it
2: week after week. But, Brian, we haven't seen anything created since North Carolina.
3: I don't disagree, man, and I just wanted to go from a full-scope perspective because I saw someone put it something in the chat that I actually put onto the board during the conversation earlier. There is zero juice on this team, man. It's zero. There's nothing. Like, you see UNLV make a big play, and everyone is pumped up, right? Notre Dame makes a big play. It's quiet. It's weird, right? The only person in Notre Dame's sideline that I saw that had juice today –
2: was Kyron Williams? <laughs> who was? Yes. Who was just, doing it free and post? Right. So it's, I it's, can't,
3: man. I can't.
2: But like you said, Brian, you point this out. Isaiah Foskey. I don't know if his guys talked to him. He was locked in. I saw Jason mm-hmm. Avantniola pumping him up during the middle of the game, talking to him. And when you see a guy making a play on special teams, which is really where he cut his teeth when he first got to Notre Dame, right? He was blocking punts as a freshman. If you remember at Notre Dame, that's how he started making big plays. And then eventually he started making plays as a pass rusher. But to see him make that play, not once, but twice, I've never seen the same guy block a punt. Twice in the same game. game. That, That shows that he played with effort today. Riley Mills continues to get better and shine. Um, I thought Gabriel Rubio played better. I think Gabriel Rubio is going to continue to play better with the more reps he gets. I thought Chris Smith played not as well as he played last game, but he had some players. Other than, this and, was and, the uh,
1: best game Riley Mills has ever played as an inside guy. Inside guy, yeah. He was you really, said, really good
2: in this game. You said they needed him to move him inside this week. You said yes, that yeah. P- p- yeah. yes. Yeah. For this week, yeah, yes, yeah.
1: For this week, it made sense to do that. Yes, and you know, Jason, you talk. I mean, I, there, I, there's got to be a lot of frustration in the locker room, guys, and I think that's part of it I too. Agree. Is is like yeah. when you because they knew during the week of practice nothing was changing. I mean that that's the thing. I mean, you listen to Michael Mayer's press conference, and it, you know it's taken every ounce of self restraint he has to to not just really speak his mind. Yeah, You know, and yeah. uh, just it's – it's fr- I mean, look, guys, I don't want to be here talking negative after a 44-21 win. I don't enjoy that. I don't. I would much rather be happy and excited and say, hey, this was a game that helped us kind of get ready to go enjoy what this team's going to look like next week and go hang out with my wife and see the photo sheets. I would much rather do all that. I don't want to be sitting here complaining about this, but – I also can't lie to you and say, no, 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 guys, look, they fixed some stuff today. It just it's frustrating to see the same thing happen every single game. And then and then here's the frustrating thing. Like there was a post on the board, and I was getting texts about this during the show. Hey guys, this is a this is a Jimmy's and Joe's problem. And my response is this is that's the same bullcrap people told me in 2016. Same bullcrap people told me that year. They don't have the players, it's the players. They don't have this. They don't have that. They don't have this other thing. And the same dudes the next year went out and went 10 and three and beat five ranked opponents. Uh, (laughs) You know, like the players have to make plays. But as Marcus Freeman said during the week, it's our job as coaches to put them in position to make plays. And that just that doesn't just mean scheme, guys. That also means it's about your attitude. It's about psyche. It's about using guys correctly. It's about all of that stuff. And I'm so sick, so sick of the players. That's what Notre Dame has turned into. It, you, Notre Dame used to be a place where the coaches always got the brunt of the uh, criticism. Davey, Ty, Charlie. Brian Kelly changed the culture of this program to where it's the players that get blamed now because that's what he did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I'm sick of it. To be completely honest, wow, the, the, they don't have. It, it's not the coach's fault. It's, they don't have the talent of quarterback. Who's been the quarterback's coach for the last six years? Same guy. Who's been the offensive coordinator for three years? So if you're going to talk about it's a talent problem, the, the, the same person still gets the finger pointed. I'm sorry, it, it is. I'm so sick. Like, look, can Drew is Drew Pine a great quarterback? No. Can you use Drew Pine in a way that makes him be more effective than what we saw the last couple weeks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you were running a, a a game plan where your running backs were a big part of your game plan, Drew looked like he could rip up anybody. And now you're going to this full field read, all this, you know, make the pre-snap read based on this, that, and the other thing. And all of a sudden, Drew looks lost. <clears throat> yep. Yep. So how does a kid who looked like that in his second start look like this against two bad defenses like Stanford and Yonovi? Is it really a player problem? To a degree, yes. The players have to execute. I'm not blaming the coaches for why Lorenzo Styles dropped that ball. Nope. That's on Lorenzo. Yeah. That's on Lorenzo. I'm not blaming the coaches for Michael Mayer dropping those two passes. Mike, he, and Nor would he. Who do you think Michael Mayer blamed for those two drops? If y'all know, if y'all know Michael Mayer like we do, it, it's Michael Mayer's blaming Michael Mayer, right? Sure. They got to make those plays, but there comes a point in time where those plays happen to every every team has that happen to them, yeah. but they become such bigger problems for Notre Dame because everything else is so bad, and it's just, um, fellas, it's just, it's really, it's really maddening, it's really maddening because once again, seeing post after post and. And you say okay, they don't it's a talent problem. Okay, sure. To beat Clemson and Ohio State, sure. i have the talent to win those those beat those teams right now because of all the injuries. We're not talking about them though. We're talking about Marshall and Stanford and UNLV. What are we talking about here? You know,
2: it's ridiculous. And it's so funny because you look around college football. And you see RPOs. You see automatics. Like if there's eight in the box, we're going to throw it to the outside on the quick screen to our receiver and let them get four or five yards. It it is like the staple of high school football right now. Forget college. Automatics are a staple in high school football. But yet still, Notre Dame, check with me. Scan, check with me. they got eight in the box. Run the eight guy. Let's continue to run it inside again. And then we want to say, well, the
1: offensive line isn't doing this. You got five dudes, six dudes blocking eight. That I'd say that's pretty damn good. It's
3: football, it's football 101, man. Don't run where the numbers are in your in your disadvantage. Like it's it's not, it's not, right. I don't
2: know. Every team Notre Dame faces doesn't. They do it to Notre Dame. UNLV did it to Notre Dame.
1: Stanford did it, guys, with one Stanford of the slowest receiving in college football. They're running an RP. And there's a play, they actually ran a, a, a trips now screen on the it was a play before Audrick Estimates fumble, and Drew Pine doesn't even look at it. And what that tells me is they don't really practice it that much, and Drew's not comfortable with it. Because if you're gonna I mean, why why not run that constantly? Why not run an RP on almost every run play? I, I I don't I don't understand it. I, I it doesn't make sense to me. It, It's like the stuff that you were doing that worked, you throw out like that. The twenty-one stuff you did against Cal and in in second half and again second quarter on and against you you North Carolina worked. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, that you'll get rid of in a hurry. We haven't seen that really since. But this other stuff, running duo over and over and over when it just doesn't work with any kind of effectiveness, running twelve personnel nonstop that you won't get rid of no matter what happens. I don't understand it, guys. It's just it, – I, 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 you know, I'll say this about Brian Kelly. I always felt like during Kelly's tenure I could point to the issues and say here's what's going on and here's what I think they need to do different. I Or or here's why I think he did what he did. I could at least explain it and disagree with it. Yeah. I, I got nothing on why they're doing what they're doing offensively. I got nothing I, – I cannot – like I can't justify – like, even times, fellas, where you will say, like, even that the worst call I ever saw Brian Van Gorder make was a third and eight against Michigan State late in the game. Notre Dame makes a stop. They got a shot. And he does a zone fire Like with he drops Jeron Jones into coverage and Jay Hayes is supposed to get up underneath the curl flat. And it was a terrible call. But schematically, I understood it. I understood why he made the call. It was just you didn't use your personnel correctly, right? Like I could at least explain this is why he did it. He's just not a good football coach, and he's asking guys. He's asking Jerron Jones on third down, who's six six, who's now playing offensive tackle in the National Football League, to drop underneath an in cut. I can't explain this. I can't explain why they're doing what they're doing. I've got no answers, and that's frustrating for me. But so I can only imagine how frustrating it is for the players. And so I just – it's frustrating
2: to see it. Sean, you're muted. I like Logan Diggs, what he did today. Ran hard. Kid ran hard. Whether or not he should be carrying the ball, what, 28 times? (laughs) 28 for 130? I'll take it. And the reason why he ran the ball 28 times is because, you know what? They said, Aldrick, come just take a seat today.
1: Like a, another fumble can't have it. So, this is so, this is worse. Is there any chance the poor offense is because Marcus Freeman or, keeps running to be a power running team? Okay, I, I'm so tired of hearing this, Jim. And, and please just bear with me, my frustration. Listen, Marcus Freeman is not mandating that they only run a gap runs. Does Marcus Freeman say we're going to be a running football team? Yes. Just like Brian Kelly did in 2017. But that doesn't mean that you're mandating you're running these particular plays. Do you really think Marcus Freeman is going in there and saying we're going to run these plays, these plays, these plays, and that's it? Do you all really think that? Is, that? is that what we've come to now? That we're now going to say it's Marcus Freeman's fault that this is the lack of creativity we've seen, that the most creative thing you've done in the run game last month is put your freaking backup tight end under center? <coughs> really? right like Tommy Reese has no say whatsoever Marcus Freeman's on the headset run duo again coach I'm running buck sweep run duo again coach we haven't run outside in three months run it inside a gap only I mean come on y'all I mean (laughs) right I mean let's use our heads a little bit on this one right I mean it's frustrating fellows I really don't get it I really don't get it. I don't understand it. I really don't.
2: I really don't. Not fair. At some point, you know me, I've been saying all season, some of these players have to take some accountability. Sure. For drop passes, missed opportunities, going back to Ohio State and Marshall. I felt like Tyler had opportunities for big plays that he missed. Mm -hmm. That's not on Tommy. That's on Tyler Butler. But at some point, At some point, as a coach, you got to look yourself in the mirror, sitting at four and three, and say, I have been unfair to my players. I have been unfair to this offensive line to constantly ask them to do their job at a deficit or facing a deficit. I'm being unfair. I'm being unfair to Jaden Thomas, asking him to run this screen when he's not a catch and make you miss guy. The same way he got stood up on the goal lines, the same way he got stood up by the UNLV UNLV, DB in space. But I put him there. The screen of Michael Mayer, that's me. I put him there. It worked, but it probably would have been a lot better if I had got somebody else involved in the game, like one of the other receivers. And then when I get an opportunity, They finally get them the ball. They're so frustrated with the way I put them in positions or fail to put them in proper positions. Lack of concentration, drop ball. Still not his fault because the player needs to be locked in. But like we said, that's the job of the coach with the game plan to make sure that he keeps his players locked in. They have failed these players. From a coaching standpoint, Mm -hmm. because these players collectively at this point. I'm speaking from a talent standpoint, they deserve to be a six and one football team. From a talent standpoint, from a coaching and effort standpoint. They're a four and three team. But they deserve to be better. Because they're better than the rosters they faced other than Ohio State. Right. And this is Guys, the thing, bro. It's not yeah. even close. The you can't talk to
1: me close. about talent being the issue when we're talking about Stanford, Marshall, and UNLV. You can't. No.
2: no. The
1: same no, team no. that went on the road and blasted North Carolina is, can't, doesn't have the talent to beat Marshall. It's so like, And here's where we're at, fellas. And, and, and this is not a shot on Brian Denbo or Jim Halloran. You guys are great. You guys have been around for a long time. I love you all. But one guy is saying, is this Coach Freeman dictating to Freeman, to Kel- to Reese to do this? And then now somebody else says, does it bother you that, Tommy, that Coach Freeman doesn't have a play sheet because he doesn't have the offensive play sheet? No, it doesn't bother me. He's the head coach. He's not calling plays. Uh, I mean, you, but how's he dictating all this to Tommy Reese if he doesn't have a play sheet, right? Like this is where we're at though. Because they're having the same issue. Brian and Jim and others are having the same issue that we're having, fellas, which is I can't explain what I'm seeing. And I can't explain why it's not changing. And and I'll say this. I'm frustrated with Tommy Reese right now. But at the end of the day, Marcus Freeman's head football coach. Mm -hmm. And at some point in time, Marcus Freeman's got to step in and say, look, man, this is just not good. Why why have we regurgitated the same run game for three weeks in a row? You say, Logan Diggs, 28 carries for 130 yards. I'm not happy with that. Logan Diggs at, should not be all. getting 28 carries against UNLV. That has nothing to do with Logan Diggs. Why is he getting that many carries? Why are you not using him and Tom? When 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 you were using him and Tyree and Estime as a three-man trio against Carolina and Cal, well, he didn't play against Cal, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Man, that stuff was beautiful. You're not helping Logan Diggs by not using that anymore either. But I'm I'm a believer that Tommy Reese plays his guys, guys that he likes or that he's recruited, and there's no question about it that Logan is his guy. Yeah. And so Logan gets away with things that the other backs don't get away with, and Logan gets the push that other backs don't get. And people, all Chris Tyree, Chris Tyree hasn't run. I mean, he he's an A gap runner right now. What what are we doing here? What yeah. what are we doing here, guys? You know, and this, it's... and, and, and Diggs is really good. I mean, y'all r- remember who's been pushing him as a, a legit player since they got him right here. But it's like, why do you continue to do this where you pick the guy and then just brush everybody off? Right. Like, look, Hey, look, Audric estimate, Bud, you can't keep putting the ball on the ground. Right. I mean, I, I'm not blaming them for that per se. I mean, eventually you're like, guys, why are we not coaching this kid up better to protect the football and traffic? I mean, you know, and and if he's going to do that, then you can't put him in there anymore. I mean, you just can't. Right? You right. can't. You know, it 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 hurts you twice. It it hurts you once. It didn't hurt you two other times from win loss standpoint, but you you just can't. But still, play Tyree. I mean, again, do we do I need to remind people that Logan Diggs missed the entire offseason because of a shoulder injury? You can't. He can't be this workhorse week after week after week. You've got to use both of these running backs and it just uh i i you know i i don't know I, it's, and then there's the double standard of mistakes right like it's like is he still pissed that chris Tyree dropped that screen 2 weeks ago right i mean, i don't know I, I i can't figure it out i can't figure it out i mean it's it's maddening fellows and i and i, I mean part of me just wants to just stop the show now cuz i'm just so disgusted and i feel like i feel like we're saying the same thing Week after week, it's like that Eminem rap out the end. Of, hey, you're saying the same thing that he said, right? And we're saying the same thing <laughs> every single game. They show but us the same thing
2: every single. Exactly,
3: game. exactly, exactly. It would be a lot. It would be a lot easier for me if I watched a Notre Dame game and I just said, you know what? They're not talented enough right now. They're not right. I, I see it right. Like the teams that we're playing are just straight up better. That would be easier for me. The mismanagement yep. of talent is what is the most frustrating thing in the world. Because you mentioned it, Brian. You have a stable of three running backs. Okay. Estimate fumbled Three fumbles in four games. Okay. Fine. Okay. Get out of there, buddy. Like, we can't have that. I, I get it.
1: Until and he the, gets the misman- right. And then coach him up exactly. and get him ready to play
3: again. Right. Oh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge estimate fan. So, like, you know that I'm like, yes, give the kid another chance. Let's make it work. Let's make it better type of thing. Absolutely. For sure. But regardless – you still need to use Chris Tyree and you still need to mix and match those abilities. Like you mentioned it, Brian, like where's the 21 personnel? Where did that go? Is that gone? Did you lose that part of the playbook? Like, I just don't understand, man. I, and this is all due it to It was so
1: good. So yeah. good in the second, third quarter against Cal and so good so against good North good. Carolina. Brian, it's like, it's like that. And this is no disrespect to
3: Logan Diggs. It's not. Because everyone that's ever heard me talk about Logan Diggs, I think they understand that Like, I think he's a talented football player as well. He's a very good football player. This isn't Iowa State where all you have is Brees Hall. This isn't what it is right now, man. You're treating him like he's the only player you have on the team this game. And the mismanagement of how they're using the wide receivers right now, the mismanagement of not doing more RPOs with Drew Pine, who is struggling, guys, over the last two games. All that mismanagement, that's what makes this so – this give is
1: what makes easy it easy stuff. 100%. Get the build Ryan, the confidence. Give them easy stuff. Yeah, like every other freaking football coach in America that, for a good team does. Give them easy stuff. Yeah. Guess yeah. what? Don't ask your college quarterback to run an NFL offense where he's got to make a million different pre and post snap reads. And you got to do the scan check with me because I got to let everybody in the building know that I'm still the smartest guy in the room. And then blame mm-hmm. it on your players and I was tonight making plays. Well, you know, like, Stop asking that kid to do something he can't do. I, I right?
3: also, I also liked how they, uh, they were basically using Tobias Merriweather as a decoy a lot. You know, just see like the, the motions across. He he yeah, oh my god! Yeah, because that one pass he caught. Now that's where all the eyes are going to go. It's just so frustrating, man. It's so frustrating. I but just... you won't use Michael
1: Mayer as a decoy.
3: All right, exactly, man. But but a freshman catches one pass for 41-yard touchdown, and now he's your decoy in a game. Like, that's where you went to, right, oh. with the game. That's what I was thinking of when they were they motioned him back and forth a couple of times. So I'm like, oh, like, he made one nice catch this season. And, like, yeah, Tobias should be playing every snap, which is about, right? But, like, how is that how you're managing your offense right now? And, again, Sean, like, I go back to it, man. I could handle this disappointment right now if Notre Dame's guys just weren't good. If they weren't talented, like I can handle this, man. I can be real with myself. Ryan, I
1: can't. Can I, I'm going to interrupt you because I need to say this. Yeah. yeah, it would be better for us if that was true. Like from a business standpoint, from a from a pure business standpoint, I got my two recruiting guys right here above me. It would be better for us business wise if we could sit here before you and say, guys, look, they're just not now. The quarterback room is not as good as it should be. And we've talked about that incessantly for years, okay? Because you didn't recruit well and then you chased other guys out, whatever. But it would be easy for us and smart for us business-wise to really lean into it's the talent issue. Because now that the season's what it is, people are unsubscribing, right? Dropping from the message boards, not listening to the shows. It's costing us money. It would be smart business-wise for me to say it's a talent problem, it's a recruiting problem. Hey, Ryan, I want you to start writing a mess of recruiting articles because that's what we have to sell to get people interested again. It's selling that what's next thing, right? Business-wise, that would make sense. But it would also be a lie because it's not a talent problem. Now, does that mean the roster is as good as it needs to be? No. No. Do, is the roster perfect? No. Does the roster need to get better? Yes. But that was true coming into the season when you were a preseason top 10 team. The reality is, fellas, is it's we're talking about not having the talent against Marshall, Stanford, and UNLV. That's what we're talking about here. It, it, it's not talent. It's not player talent. Does Drew Pine need to play better? Yeah then put him in position to be more effective. And if he's not, then maybe you make a change. I, but I don't think you, you bet some a kid who you're not giving a chance to be as successful as he needs to be. Well, he didn't make this read, that read. Stop asking him to make full field reads. It's not hard. Stop the scan where he's got to come up and you're letting defenses move around and get disguised coverages and drop and do all this stuff. Why? Because it's taking you forever. Go look at how Drew Pine looked on the first drive of the game when you weren't running scan, when you were actually going with a little bit of pace and tempo. Look how he looked then. Right? When you're going off of a script where he was comfortable with what he was seeing and what he was reading, and he made beautiful throws and reads. Bam, 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 touchdown. And then you went away from it because you got to prove to everybody how smart you are. Right? And, and look, that's on Coach Reese and Coach Freeman because at some point in time, Look, if Brian Kelly was the head coach right now, we'd be we'd be hammering Brian Kelly because we'd say, Hey, you're the head coach, you're the one that's not stepping in and changing these things. And it's the same thing is true for Marcus Freeman. Right. I I know I'm not a big fan. You're not, I'm not talking about firing people. I'm not having that conversation. I'm talking about sitting down and saying, hey, this isn't good enough. This is gonna have to change. Right. So maybe, maybe Dylan and, and Jared need to have a little bit more of a say in what we're doing here. Right. Maybe, maybe some other people need to have more of a say in the, in the run schemes that we're employing and the past concepts and who are utilizing, you know, um, same thing, a linebacker on defense. Hey, maybe, maybe we need to have a conversation about why your linebackers continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. I mean, dude, you're one of the best linebacker coaches in college football until you took the head coaching job, step in and, and, yep. and get it fixed. I mean, it's just, it's the same stuff over and over and over and over again, fellas. And and at some point in time, the head coach has got to step in now and make those changes. The linebacker,
3: and- li- linebacker position is so weird, Brian, because you also have your defensive coordinator as a linebacker coach now who literally just coached a linebacker unit to the Super Bowl last year and was a strength of the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, he made – Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, that group—a good group for the Bengals. That's why it's so weird, and it's so like I can't, I I don't understand what the what the issue is. I really don't. Maybe it's too many
1: voices. Maybe it's too many voices. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's just. I still just think they're asking them to do. I think it's similar to what's happening to quarterback. What's the most cerebral position on defense right now in this defense? It's the linebackers. It's the inside linebackers. When Mm -hmm. did they look good today? When they when they shot. Yeah, Maris looks like a completely different player when they call when they trigger him than he does when he's got to read and react. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong? Looks what? like a completely different player. Why? Because he doesn't have to think about it; he just goes. And, and and I'll tell you one thing: they did a good job of today. They they knew exactly what was coming in the screen game from UMov. They did a good job all game. Maris almost picked one off on the screen. Prince Collie blew up. And if Prince doesn't make that play, uh, there was some stuff behind it. There wasn't a lot behind it, I should say. Uh, you know, he had a great. He he sniffed out the first screen they tried. Mayors had a couple. They did a really good job. And in the first half, they also did a great job, I thought, fellas, of stringing everything out. They were trying to run a lot of those jets and a lot of those perimeter screens. And Notre Dame did a great job of not getting out leveraged and just pushing it to the sideline. And two-yard gain, I mean, they were coming up, being aggressive. So, I mean, there, there were some good things in this game on defense. There were. Uh, from a – they were prepared for this. Because, Ryan, remember what we said before the game is they're going to try a lot of stuff to try to mess up your eye discipline. First half, I thought the defense was ready for that. The second, The defensive problem today was a lack of focus. You yeah. didn't go into the second half with the same focus you had in the first half. You tackled great in the first half. Second half, you look like you did the last couple weeks, right? That is a lack of focus, a lack of leadership top down. That's got to change, right? But I still felt like at least this week, because what did he do in the first half? He was triggering the linebackers a lot more, and they were playing much better. And then when you went away from it, you know, there we go. We're back to that again. Yeah. So, but hey, can we say one, one thing? Brian Mason deserves a pay raise because he has been really good this year. Really good this year. Got two blocks today. I mean, the special teams gave Notre Dame – we said the defense, right? But the special teams played a role in this too. Three oh, possessions yeah. in the first half. Notre Dame got the ball in UNLV territory because of the special teams capping off a good defensive series. You had the two-block punts by Foskey. You had the punt return. And then after that, you had the short punt return because the guy was so afraid of getting another one blocked that he kicks it and Brandon Joseph runs it back into Notre Dame territory. When you get set, when you have seven possessions that start in the opponent's side of the field, and, and I'm talking – guys, I'm not talking like six at the 49-yard line. 44, 43, 32 – 20 19 because i 42 like i I stopped counting after a while because i just was so frustrated but you had possession start at the 19 the 20 the 32 and on those three drives i got a touchdown a field goal and a field goal you know i mean it's frustrating it really is frustrating fellas
3: I mean, we talked about it in the chat, man. Hats off to Brian Mason. I mean, it's creative, too, man. Like, it doesn't look the same every time, too, which is what makes it so – I mean, what's that, the fourth block punt on the season now, right? I mean, he's doing a tremendous job. Brandon Joseph, one of the best days he's had as a punt returner. I mean, it was good stuff. Good stuff from Brian Mason today as a coach. Really good job.
2: And you know what he's doing? You know what he's doing? He's going – Letting athletes be
3: athletes?
1: And athletes be athletes. He's, and he's a he's aggressive. Yes, yes, he's, he's aggressive. aggressive. That's the thing I like. He's going to go after you. And he's
2: coaching guys. He's coaching. Yeah,
1: yeah. Imagine that.
2: Imagine that. See, I got
1: some dudes that can run a little bit. Let me go use. Let me take advantage of them. I think to your point, Sean. You talked about how the coaches are coaching scared. Yeah, I don't know if I think that's true on defense. I do think that's true to a degree on offense. I think that I think the defense, to me, and, and, and push back on me if you disagree with this, I still feel like he's kind of got it in his head, like this stuff will work. We just got to keep at it, keep yeah. at it, because eventually they'll figure it out. And I don't, I don't like that. I, I really can't stand that. Yeah. I, and I think that's the issue. But I actually thought in the first half, I actually thought Al Golden was a great – I mean, we saw Treat Bracy come on a nickel fire. We haven't seen that all year. But he and, yeah. and he got – he came free. I mean, it forced an errant throw. We saw some really. I thought we saw more. We saw we saw some stunts today because, like in the past, they just do that like double inside fire, which I you know it's like okay. Eventually, it's like, can you got anything else in your you know your rolodex there, buddy? And but today we saw that we saw a play where they did a full line slant and brought a mic and and a nickel off the edge. You know they were doing more line games today. I thought in the first half, I thought they were very aggressive and I thought they played well because again, your linebackers were just. Maris, just go right. What were the plays Maris didn't look good? The 70 some yard run where he's reading, reacting, and then the option play, which they looked woefully unprepared for. It's a good call by UNLV. It was, it was but I mean, I actually liked what I saw from the first half from the defensive game plan. But then in the second half, they kind of went away from it and it was just like, okay, here we go again. And you lost contain. It's just it was a lack of focus, is what I thought. It, to me, that can be yeah. fixed. You know, that can be fixed, but it just you know, and, and then I was so glad they called off that targeting on JD Bertrand because I'm like, what is it? What is he supposed what what could he have done different on that play? What could React he probably up. take the kid's knee out? I mean, what could he have yeah. done different?
3: React. I, I I again saw someone either on the board or on Twitter, Brian, that was like, Oh, someone teach JD how to I'm like, that wasn't JD's fault, man. There's like, what was he gonna do?
2: That, on that play.
1: Not not on the yeah. top
2: I don't tackle, but
1: you're talking playing. about what he did afterwards. Yeah,
2: no, oh. I'm talking about bef- during the play. If you watch as the quarterback is moving to his left, away mm-hmm. from the strong hand, he's
1: stuck. Oh, you like, mean dude, react better, meaning react, break it up and said, "I got
2: you." You should have been there to break it up. That's the I, whole. Sean, I thought
1: you were saying like him getting up and being excited is what no, like, no, brought. No, I get. I get, no, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. That no, makes no, sense. No, no. Like, yeah
2: react. I felt like he yeah, reacted right. late to the quarterback run that got right. it down to the
1: one. Like when right. you see him break, contain, go. I wonder if this is starting to be a thing too, guys. Could be, you know, because there was, there was no, no reason that should have been good. And here's the thing. The guy that threw the flag was away from JD. So like the, 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 the receiver was between, The guy that threw the flag in J.D., there's no way he could have seen that J.D. put his helmet on that guy's helmet. There's no way that guy should have made that call. The referee that was behind him that was looking right at the contact did not throw a flag. And, And, you know, that's the other thing, too. And, again, nothing today. This was a horrible officiating crew. It was an ACC crew, and the ACC has horrible officiating. But it didn't affect the outcome. But I was glad they called that off because I'm like, I don't know if I'm JD if I'm ever going to be able to make another tackle if I would have got kicked out for that. Like I, I mean, what does he do there? That was a heck of a hit. I mean, honestly, it's almost like I'm just letting the guy score next time. I'm just letting the yeah. guy score next time because it's absurd. So I was so happy they waved that off because I'm, I'm up in the press box losing it. I'm like, what's he supposed to do different? What, what could you possibly other than take his knees out, take the kid's knees out? Yep. That's the only other yeah. thing you could have done different. I, I, yeah. I, there's going to be helmet to helmet contact in football, people. That's unavoidable. But then they don't call targeting on the hit on Drew, on Pine, Drew Pine, which yes. that's exactly the kind of play that targeting should be put in for. Quarterback's defenseless; he's going down, and you go in and you lead with the freaking he- with your helmet, and they call nothing. Then review. Th- then Marcus Freeman calls timeout, and they still didn't review it. Right. So it's like, that's why I've said targeting needs to be no longer a, a, a suspending, like kicking the guy out penalty because they have no clue how to call it, no clue how to even call it from the press box. I was couldn't believe they called it off on JD just because I had no expectation they would get it right. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they have no clue how to call that, there's too much at stake for a rule they have no clue how to call after all these years.
3: It, it's like, it's like a, a, the catch rule in the NFL. Like I have no idea
1: what targeting is. I, I have right. no idea. I have no idea. I, I do know. Apparently but... are the review people, right? I yeah, mean, exactly. like the, targeting for an ejection should be a clearly dirty play, but here's the thing, guys, some of the dirtiest plays I've seen that should be targeting happening. against Notre Dame. And they weren't even called penalties. They hit on Torrey Hunter against Texas the hit that Virginia Tech put on Deshaun Kaiser where he's sliding, mm-hmm. and the guy speared him right in the face. No flag. Reviewed yep. it, no penalty. It's just like they have and then, but Stefan Tuett gets kicked out of the pit game for what he got kicked out of the pit game for, you know, which cost Notre Dame a game because they could not block Stephon in the first half of that game, fellas. He was eating him up. And so that's why I say it should not be a kick a te- kick a player out penalty unless it's clearly. Like a dirty play, and we know dirty, the difference. Yeah. You know the difference between a dirty play and that—the hit that the the can't that the um, the Kansas kid put on Dylan Gabriel—that's an ejection. Mm-hmm. You're out. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? But what? J- None of the play, like even the play that that was that JD got kicked out. The the first targeting call I didn't like. That he got kicked out for. I think it's the first one. The second one, yeah, that's targeting. But even then, that should not be an ejection play,
3: in my do opinion. You remember, do you remember Ali Gay from LSU? It was like week one or week two where he literally went like this and to yes. the dude in the, in the helmet. Like, yes. yes! An ejectable play, man. Yes. Like, get him out of here. Yes. Right? So,
1: yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, the, but now it's just like, you know, I was, it, but honestly, you're going to start messing with J.D.'s head at this point in time where he's going to start kind of going in with some funky things if he doesn't play. I'll say this. I know, Ryan, that there were some plays today that were frustrating from J.D. Bertrand, but but I did think he played overall on the scope of the entire game much better today than he had. I did. I thought he had a good game today. He just will have a couple plays you're just like. But that's yeah. the whole linebacking core at this point in time. You They're know, I thought Naga took a step back from last week. He, he was not as good setting the edge today as yeah. he was last week. You know, but uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, some of that stuff, though, it's just, it's, yeah. I- I'll say one position that they got to get better at, they've got to get better at safety. Mm-hmm. They've got to get, now, I think this incoming recruiting class can be there because they just, they that is a position where their athleticism level at, beyond a couple guys is just not the same as it is. Other places. It no. really is. I- I'll say this, everyone is, you know, so looking
3: forward to Peyton Bowen in the 2023 class. I'm looking forward to Adon Schuler, man, with what he can do. Adon Schuler, I think, could come in. and Because, I mean, Brian, like, again, I'm not trying to to throw too much shade on DJ Brown, but, like, that missed tackle, man, on that 68-yard or whatever, awful, man. Just DJ's a good
1: player if you use him in the right ways. It's like a lot of things. It's like that's not a guy you want making plays in space. It's just not. No. It's just not. But you no. know who
3: specializes in that type of play? Adon Schuler. That
1: well, is a guy that can make that play. Adon yeah. Schuler, Peyton Bowen. I'll tell you who else. Well, he can a do really, it too. But yeah. no, no, I get that. I know. I know you're not saying that. Uh, I'll tell you who's having a really good senior year as well. is Ben Minich. I Minich mean, has been, yeah, yeah. been pretty good. I've yeah. I've been What's what we said when they got him? Like, look, I didn't love his junior film. I didn't understand it, but I said, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and see his senior film. You see his senior film, you're like, okay all right, I get it. Like that kid's a really good football player. And if that's your number three safety, okay, I feel a lot better about it. So, you know, you talk about those three guys, and then you look at Micah Bell and Christian Gray, along with Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey who's been hurt. You're like, the future of the secondary is definitely looking up from an athleticism and talent standpoint. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's there's no way Peyton Bowen isn't starting by middle of the year next year at the latest. No way. No way. Even if Brandon Joseph comes back. Like, yeah. just no way. So there yeah, is at least some positives done. there. Yeah. Well, but, it means if um,
3: Drake Bowen is also starting pretty – Or Jayden Osbury. Yeah. I mean, goodness yeah. gracious.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you know we can't talk about a linebacker starting, guys. You know I got to talk about Jay Ospreay. Come on now. You know that's going to
0: happen.
1: Man. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So, uh, fellas, I mean, I, I don't really know what else we can say other than just – I mean, at this point in time, fellas, it's just like this is who they are. Um, I'm going to keep talking about what they need to do to change and what they need to do. Ryan, our keys to the game, our matchups are still going to be, this is what they better do, but I'd have no expectation. If you didn't change on offense this game, are you saving yourself for Syracuse? I mean, I could actually see them being that stupid. I could literally see them being that stupid, that they're saving it for Syracuse and Clemson. Like, oh, my gosh.
2: Here's the thing. Schrader's hurt. He hurt his leg late in the game. Right? Yeah. They lost at least two defensive backs to a defensive backfield that was already dealing with injuries. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna face a depleted secondary, which is the strength of Syracuse's defense.
3: Sean, I don't wanna hear it, Sean. UNLV just what had up? their starting
2: quarterback out, they're starting running back out. I don't wanna hear right, it, Sean. Don't hear I'm it. just telling you, I'm just telling you <laughs> all the things. That are going to be facing Notre Dame or won't be facing Notre Dame. Yeah. And Notre Dame has the better roster and it's still going to be a close game. Yeah. It's, it's still a But you know what
1: game. though, Sean? It, it would not shock me at all if Notre Dame goes on the road next week and just smacks Syracuse. Boat racism, yeah. It yeah. wouldn't shock me at all. You know, they should. They should. But they like should. this is the game that this is the game that you don't need to get motivated for. Like the North Carolina, I mean, guys, the second best team that they played this year after Ohio State, they beat the crap out of. Yeah, it should have been sixty-two to seventeen. Like they played better against six and one North Carolina than they did Stanford and Marshall and UNLV. And they'll the and they'll contract. be away. They'll be away Drew, from South Bend next weekend too. Drew Pine's so good enough right. to rip up North Carolina, but he can't rip up UNLV. And I'm supposed to believe that's a player problem? You a break? Come on, Give me a break? He went ten of eleven oh, they- in the second half against Cal, probably the second best defense Notre Dame's played this year. But he can't, he can't complete fifty percent of his passes against UNLV. And I'm supposed to think that's because Drew Pine's just not good. Bull. Bull! I'm so sick of players getting thrown under the bus in this program, not by this head coach. I'm just, but that's the culture that has been created by the previous head coach. Blame the players. Blame Drew Pine for why he's being asked to run an offense like that's more complex than the one CJ Stroud runs. Think about that. From a, and when we say complex, it's not that they're running a million pass concepts. The complexity is how much he has to think about on these plays pre-snap, post-snap, all that kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. Is Drew Pine a great quarterback? No. I've said all along, I mean, I'm Tyler Buckner was their best quarterback, and it wasn't close, right? But they did the same thing with him. I was watching film. Remember that highlight thing that I put together before the season on the board? And I'm yep. thinking, we never saw that Tyler Buckner in the two games he played this year. Not at never, ever, yep. ever, ever. Because, again, they were doing the same thing with Tyler Buckner that they were doing with the other kids, is they were asking them to do stuff. You're like, why are you asking Tyler Buckner to run that offense right now in his second career start? And then you're wondering why he, he's not sure of where to go to football. What are you doing? <sighs> Frustrating. I can't guys, wait for you guys to watch the film on this one. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Seems like
2: I say that every week.
1: Somebody Versus asks – a red zone issues, and uh, I, I'm going to have well, that be part offensively of the
2: or defensively, because they have red zone issues on both sides yeah. of the ball. Well, we know yeah. what's
1: going on on offense, but yeah,
2: defensively they're giving up 81 percent touchdowns. That's second to last, guys. Game. I almost,
1: I almost thought we were going to see something today. Remember during the week when I talked about st- simple thing you need to do when there's no safety help, reduce the splits of your outside guy, Tobias yes. Merriweather, and just throw a go route. And they twice they lined up today. With it reduced splits from your field outside guy, and it was Tobias, and then both I'm thinking, Oh, I might actually do something here. I mean okay. nothing. 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 Can we can we get
3: can we give Tobias an actual chance in the end zone of that one? was it just like a drag across the end zone? Oh no. yeah, he was ones? open, he just
1: no. threw him a freaking no. fastball. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. so it's soft yeah. and high. Let him go catch it. You know. But you know, you know what's gonna happen. He's gonna get blamed for that. And then oh. there was a time like they he he had to go in motion and he, He's, yeah, you're yeah. going to blame him for that, but you're going to still keep trotting Lorenzo Styles out there week after week after week because trust issues, right? You know, it break. It's ridiculous. Let's get to some super chats here, fellas, as we wrap this sucker up. Um, if you want to, again, we don't really do a and a after this show, but we will, we will answer super chats. And so we'll get to those now. Robert Jaworowski. Thank you for the super chat, Robert. Nothing changed from Tommy. Where was Tobias play, Angeli, and new linebackers? I mean, look, I get where you're all coming from, but if if JD Bertrand, Maris Lufau, and Jack Kaiser can't figure out the defense, do you really think a freshman is going to figure out the defense? Again, I know it's easy for us to point to the players and just say bench them, but you have to be able to die. This is what we talk. We criticize this week, fellas. Part of the problem at Notre Dame is I don't think they're good at diagnosing. They can look and see what the simp- they can look and see what the disease is, but it's kind of like going to a doctor and he doesn't know how to, to figure out why. You know, like when we took Rita to the vet, right? They, they, you know, when the cancer went away, like the the tumor that they saw in there and was gone, and they're scrambling around. They're like, "Well, we know she has anemia and it's starting to get better, but we have no idea why." They couldn't explain it; they had no idea why. Well, I'm like, "Well, I know why." Right? You have to be able to diagnose the problem. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's one thing to say, hey, this is a problem. The linebacker plays bad. But if you don't properly diagnose the problem or what's causing the disease, then you can't fix it. And simply saying that guy's not playing well, bench him doesn't really work when the reason he's not playing well isn't necessarily because of him. Because the same person that I believe is leading to the problem isn't going to be changed if you move, change the player. Same thing on offense. Put Steve Angeli in the game, okay? Do you, If Tommy Reese wasn't willing to simplify the offense for Drew Pine, do you think he's going to simplify it after Steve Angeli's made two starts? No. He's just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So what does that really do? What does that really accomplish? It doesn't accomplish anything. So I understand the angst. I do. But you're for, you should have just stopped after the first four words. Nothing changed with Tommy. That's the mm-hmm. problem. Because switching out the quarterback – now you should have played Angeli today when Drew got rocked, and you're up thirty to seven, and you're starting quarterback. You're starting your backup quarterback, who's now your starter because the previous guy got hurt. Why the freaking heck did you put him back in there? And I'll, I'll even say that I'll put that on Coach Freeman as well. He needs to be on the headset saying, "Hey, guys, this is a good time to get him in the game. We're up thirty to we're up thirty to seven. Let's give Steve a shot to run this offense. He's going to need the opportunity. What if Drew gets hurt?" But you know, they went a different direction. Zach Martin with super chat. That was the most disappointing 23 first quarter points of all time. Yeah. Yeah. They had six possessions, I believe, in the first quarter. Let me let me find this here. One, two, three. Let me see. Second quarter. The first possession for the offense of the second quarter, which was the play they fumbled. That was their seventh possession of the game, fellas. They had six possessions. And let's see, one, two, three, four of them. Four of those six possessions started in UNLV territory, and you had 23 points. Mm -hmm. Should have 40.
3: In one quarter. In one quarter,
1: yeah. Should have 40. Yes, I agree, Zach. I agree. David Hess with a super chat. Thank you. This team is tough to watch. Uninspired football. You guys saw uh-huh. it was before the game. You could see before the game. I had a, a friend of mine texting me. He was on the sideline today. My wife was on the sideline. There's, there's like, there's just no energy from. I was surprised Zero. how big the crowd was. Honestly, yeah. Like there's a lot of people there. I mean, it was, a, it wasn't a full stadium by any by any stretch, but there was a lot more than I thought was going to be there. Playing UNLV, what you just lost Stanford, but just during warmups, no energy coming out of the tunnel they're just all kind of just going through the motions i mean it was it was but i understand it like you know what's going on these players are not stupid and nothing changes yeah you know there's
3: a lot there's a lot of football teams you watch brian where you're like you know you know they're technically not a good football team but there's energy man and you're like i could right. they're fun to watch because they play with such vi- like vigor man like they want to play and they want to play hard the team on just, the other sideline
1: they could have quit exactly. at halftime down 30 to 7 they all 100%. played Notre Dame in the second half. It would have been very easy for them to say, hey, look, guys, let's just let's just get this one over with and go home and, and call it a day. Yep. And they did and They didn't quit. Ryan, you're right. We see teams all the time. We were talking about Rutgers the other day. Like, you know, yep. Rutgers has no talent. No talent. Mm-hmm. But you know what that team does every week? They play hard. Play really they really play hard. Yep. Yep. And, yeah,
2: you know. that's, You just said something. You know why? Because UNLV has a big picture. Let me tell you something. Marcus Arroyo said this week, my message to my kids was, yes, this is a game and a moment that you'll be able to talk to your family and your kids about. Playing in Notre Dame Stadium, great moment, going to the College Football Hall of Fame. But guess what? It'll be even better if you go in there and play well. He yeah. said, is it, is it go in there and play well. Because it's it's
3: process driven. Because it's process process
2: driven. driven. He knows he's building a program. He wants this to lead to something. When you have so many, when you operate the way you do, when it seems like favoritism is given to the upperclassmen, you muzzle the energy because the energy comes from youth youth is always the foundation of energy the DBs got energy when their two freshmen were inserted. It's a reason why the DBs play with energy. Yep. Guess what? The energy of the offensive line are those two young tackles. Don't, that's that's the energy. Mm-hmm. Guess what else? Any young And anywhere you see youth on this roster being used, there's energy in that group. I guarantee you're not using your youth at linebacker. You're not using your youth on the defensive line. That's why you get inconsistent defensive line play, even though they've been better for the most part last couple of games. I think we've seen guys grow. We saw Chris Smith come on, we've seen Gabe come on, Riley Mills. Riley Mills has just been playing good. You, you put him on the yeah. edge, you put him inside. He's been putting forth great effort. Isaiah Foskey, three sacks today,
1: two block punks. It's like, where has that been? Where, where and it was good to team. see because, it, Sean, it would have been very easy for him to check out yes. after last week, season's over, you're yeah. three and three. Yes. It's been very easy for Isaiah to check out, very easy. And he did it. He did the exact yeah. opposite of that. Yeah. Not the, but the strange
2: thing is you would expect the energy to come from the leadership. Right. But no energy comes from big picture. Right. At UNLV had energy because they have a big right. picture view of this game that was given to them by the head coach going here and play well.
1: Yep. And they were driven by backups, not even their best players. Their That's their quarterback, quarterback was the is a big reason why they're they're four and two four and three coming in this game because the player the right. quarterback they didn't have him, They didn't have they didn't, him right. And this game, would, I'm saying right now, this game would have looked a lot different. Now Notre Dame would have won. But this game would have yeah. looked a lot different because the second half, what we saw, because when they put Harrison Bailey in, think about this: UNOB's third string quarterback led them to two touchdowns in this game. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, third
1: string. Right?
3: And he hurt him with, their le- with his legs a little hey, bit. And that's not person Bailey's and game at the,
0: all. <laughs> not
1: at all. The kid, the starter that they had, Friel, couldn't do that. But you know who could no, do nah. that? Doug Brumfield. 100%. Right? And so, yeah, you, you caught a couple breaks in that regard. There's no there's no doubt about it. There's no and doubt Sean, about it.
2: You have to Sean, be able that- to use your, your youth means so much to a program, man. It yeah. means so much. That's the energy you're looking for. But when your youth are not excited or well, they right. don't have feel like they have anything to look forward to other than, oh, we'll just wait until the off season and wait until next right. year. No. You we talked about this when, when Brian stepped away. Like, you yeah. coach everyone as if they're playing on Saturday. Yeah. Everybody.
1: They do because not coach. They, this is a problem I've, I've been told by a lot of people on defense. So it, there is no fix because you've got Jalen Snead and Nolan Ziegler and Josh Burnham and all. They're just running their own scout team and they don't meet with the defensive coaches all week. That's crazy. So they're not getting that coached up. Crazy. They're that's not crazy. getting coached up. That's crazy. So you, you, you know, know is,
3: I mean, to crazy. the to the to the energy conversation, Sean. You know, what the biggest like disconnect I'm having with the, with the coaching staff right now is that coming into the season. I didn't know what to expect from Marcus Freeman and the staff as far as how good of coaches they were, but you know what I expected? I expected there would be a lot of energy around the program. Yeah. I expected yep. that, man, because yep. you talked about the youth thing, right? Marcus Freeman's a young guy. Tommy yeah. Reese is a young guy. There's a lot of youth on this coaching staff. Al Washington's an old guy. Where a lot is of things the I hear is,
1: is even though he's young, he sucks a lot of that fun out of it in practice. I can and how see, he I can him, see that. How he that. treats people. How he talks to people. That. You know. So who, who, who does that? Tommy. Oh. Yeah. Sean, you it's what you and I were talking about the other day. So, yeah. I mean. Yep. Next super chat. He's going to get an invitation uh,
2: actually, for my Christmas party. I know that.
1: Yeah. Tyler, uh, we talked about this earlier, but I did want to thank Tyler Evans again for that super chat. Mary Kay Queen, what are your thoughts on Tressel basically telling Freeman that progress isn't linear? Is Freeman taking that as stay the course? In some areas, yes, you do stay the course. In some areas, the things that you believe are foundational to your program, you don't allow – there's some things, Sean and Ryan, that are reactionary. Hey, this concept, this play, this this certain thing isn't – work. this drill, how we're structuring our practice, this isn't working. So let's adjust. There are other things that if you truly believe in it, you don't just toss it aside because you're – you know, seven games in. And and, and I think that's kind of, that's the thing is what, basically that's just another way of saying, if you believe in the process and it's just not paying off yet, then st- trust the process, right? Yeah. Because you're going to go through periods where things don't work out or you're, you're not going to be as good as you have been in past years. You don't just throw it all aside. That's what happens with coaches that you see get fired. They have a rough year and all of a sudden they just panic and make all these crazy moves, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, well, th- those made things worse. And so in in some regard, I think there's nothing wrong with that because Coach Tressel's giving Marcus Freeman advice from a bigger picture standpoint. Don't overreact. You had a bad game. You don't walk in there and fire eight of your coaches who didn't coach well. You don't completely yeah. change your offense. You don't throw your offense out and instill an air raid in week seven, right? Like there's just certain things you don't do. But that's not what we're asking for. None of that stuff, Mary, and that's a, it's a very good question, Mary, but that's not what we're calling for. We're not calling for massive overhaul of your philosophy. We're saying change your emphasis. That's what needs to be changed. We're not asking to do anything that we know that they don't have in the playbook. Nothing. Would we'll never do that. I'd never say, hey, look, I know that you guys don't run this play, but I saw I saw Oklahoma do it, and it works on Madden great. So you should do this, <laughs> right? I'm not doing that. It's, I know you run this play. I've seen Notre Dame run this play. You should be focusing on this because this is your personnel. Yes, you may think that you're like, you love duo and NFL teams love duo, but good God run Chris Tyree on something besides an A-gap run, right? That's something that needs to change. That's something that Marcus Freeman needs to walk into the office and say, what the hell are we doing? What What are we doing? Why is my 195 pound, five foot nine, four, three running, running back being treated like he's a two, like he's Audrick estimate. What, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Fellas? Why are you doing the same? stuff? Derek Henry runs outside more than Chris Tyree does.
3: He really does. It's no exaggeration.
2: No exaggeration. <laughs> I
1: mean, and my point is if, if, if anyone was going to be used the way Chris Tyree was, it'd be him, but whatever. Uh, McKay Rippy with the Super Chat, thank you very much. I love. I think we've seen him before because he's got the Master Shifu thing in there, which I think is awesome. So I, I remember that. Uh, is Tommy holding back plays for better teams instead of dropping the hammer in the current game, or is he just that bad? I think he's just that bad because otherwise we would have seen him used against Stanford and, you know, I don't know. I mean you know what it wouldn't. at this point in time it wouldn't shock me I mean would it be any dumber than anything else we've seen done the last few weeks? would that be any dumber than what we've seen guys I mean it, my frustration is starting to come out and I'm using words like dumber and I apologize I'm trying to be professional but I got nothing else to say i I don't know what else to call it I don't know what else to call it insanity dumb i i He's got the he's got the annexation of Puerto Rico ready to go, right.
3: baby. It's right behind like the scenes.
1: I've I've joked about how you know I've seen coaches run the same place seven, eight times in a row, but usually when coaches do that, it's because it's working. Yes. They haven't stopped it yet. Not the opposite. Well, it hasn't worked yet. So we're gonna keep running it till eventually works. But you got this other thing to work. Yeah, I know, but we need to get this going. Whatever. Christopher Galloway with a super chat. Christopher, thank you very, 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 very much. Keep up the great work, Brian. We will definitely do that. There's no doubt. I appreciate you very much. Tyler Evans with a super chat, another one. I'm glad they overturned the targeting call on the field on JD. Yeah, I don't know if that kid if I'm JD Bertrand and I'd have got kicked out of the game for that. I don't know if I could have ever made another tackle. I I this stuff's gonna ruin the game, man. I mean, and it's gonna cause more kids to get hurt because they're gonna get that awkward, like, okay, I don't know what to do now. And they're gonna turn their head last second and get racked. That's what's oh, gonna right. happen. That's what's gonna happen as they continue to call this because they there's been a greater emphasis on that this year and which only means they're going to mess up the call more and more and more and more and more. You're going to end up getting kids hurt. Gregory Gilbert with a super chat. Thank you. Another horrible tackling game. This team is struggling due to doing the basics. I'm going to say this. I personally thought the tackling in the first half was pretty darn good outside of, well, it, it, it was pretty darn good, the whole time because the 70 yard touchdown or touchdown or 73 yard run, they didn't miss a tackle. They just, except J.D. in space. I mean, but it wasn't like they missed a tackle at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, J- D.J. Brown got – not J.D. D.J. Brown got spun around. It was a terrible play. But outside of that, I thought the tackling the first half was pretty good. I thought the second half was bad. Yeah. yeah. It like, was the one play. They had the kid sacked three different times and then eventually just gets away and scrambles. Like, what are we doing, guys?
0: You're in the goal line, right? right?
1: Yes, yeah, that's because you're up big yeah. and you're trying to get the play instead of just doing your job, Right. Yeah, so it's frustrating. Got a super. They made Jackson.
3: Harrison. They made. They made Harrison Bailey like Baylor. he was a scrambler man. Tennessee
1: yeah. fans like, yo, where did where was that when he was playing for us? No, don't worry about it. It's, he's not that good. It's just that's just what Notre, Notre Dame does to inferior quarterbacks. Don't worry about it. Patrick Duffy with a super sticker. Patrick, thank you very very much. This more pottery. Two words on the season so far: maddening and embarrassing. It's unbelievable how many how so how so many how many players have regressed this year. I really hope changes are made after the season. So frustrating. Thanks, IP, buddy. I I feel your pain. I do, and that's the thing. That's the pushback on the whole they don't have talent thing, mm-hmm. because all the guys we're talking about are guys we have seen play we saw Maris Lufau be a regular rotation linebacker on a defense that let that was part of a playoff team we saw JD Bertrand rack up over 100 tackles last year we saw Cam Hart look like a dude last year the teams didn't even want to mess with now teams are like I'd rather not throw it 20 let's throw it five you know what I mean we, we've seen Isaiah Foskey regress we've seen Jack Kaiser regress. We've seen Lorenzo Styles regress more than any court receiver I've ever seen from freshman to sophomore year. I mean, we're seeing regression at way too many spots for me to all of a sudden say, the talent got worse? These players got worse? Brandon Joseph was an All-American two years ago. Now he's barely seen half the time, right? Like You can't – it'd be one thing, fellas, if we were talking about – Guys that were highly ranked players that have never actually been good. That would be different. We'd be like, hey, you guys are holding on to what you thought about that kid in high school. That'd be fair. But we're talking about guys that we have seen play really good football in a Notre Dame uniform. And that's what's frustrating. That's what's maddening about this. We don't have Kyle Hamilton this year. They didn't have Kyle Hamilton down the stretch last year when they were destroying people yep so we didn't have Kyron Williams this year you didn't have Kyron Williams in the bowl game and Chris Tyree was used how you should use Chris Tyree in the pass game and he goes for 100 yards Lorenzo Styles goes for 100 yards we're the regression is from what we've seen of these kids in college not mm-hmm. well he's not what we thought he would be in high school coming out of high school it's we have if everybody at Notre Dame right now is playing like they have played at in the past, this team's five and one right now, six and one right now. Am I wrong? No. Spot on, John Bertucci with the super chat. Can Marcus fire Tommy? Didn't Jack put in, Marcus in a bad place? Even if he can fire Tommy, that is hard to do when Tommy is a big reason why he got hired. I've heard that that's why Marcus got hired. I don't know how much I believe that. And if that's true, that's a terrible move by Jack Swarbrick. You're not mm-hmm. going to hire Marcus Freeman unless he agrees to keep Tommy Reese. If that is true, that is a big mistake from Jack Swarbrick. I'm going to repeat what I've said before, John, and, and 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 this is what I this is where I think the mistake was made. I believe that if Marcus Freeman was allowed to hire whatever offensive coordinator he wanted to hire, I believe he still would have kept Tommy Reese on staff. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. The problem is not that he kept him on staff. The problem is the dynamic that was created when he was the, the athletic director's hire, not your hire. When he was given full autonomy, not so much because of your decision, because the athletic director's decision, it changed the dynamic. So now the head coach is somewhat undercut and is able to walk in the office and say, what the hell are you doing? Right? Because you gave him autonomy. Right Now, I think Marcus Freeman was savvy enough to still wiggle his way into some moves that were for him that he wanted with some coaching hires. But that's what messed it up. It's not that they'd still have the same coordinator, but there'd be more of a I'm the boss, you're not relationship that doesn't really exist as much as it should right now. That's the problem. So can Marcus fire Tommy? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. That's not a conversation that I care to have right now. I don't think Tommy Reese has done anything, as far as I know, to necessarily be fired right now. I would, however, strongly consider, hey, look, if a quarterback doesn't play well, game after game after game, what do you do? You don't kick him off the team and remove the scholarship, right? You don't do that. What do you do? Change his role, right? Yeah. Same thing in every other position. That needs to be considered. I'm sorry. It just does. It does, and if he's not willing to do that. Then, right. But I, I'm just. I'm not. I'm not a fire everybody person. I don't think firing is always the answer, especially in the middle of a season. I don't. I don't. What does that do for the players if you just fire a guy? Okay. Well, who's your quarterback's going to be now? Right. I'm right. busy. You know what I mean. I got stuff to do. You know what I'm saying? Like Gus Raglin. That's who. You're, 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 that's who it's going to be. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, that's just not always the answer, and you know we can have that conversation after the season. But that's I don't want to I don't want ha- to have that conversation right now because it's just it's not going to happen. Do you want to talk about maybe some role should be changed? Not even n- d- d- demote from OC, but say, hey, look, you're going to give so and so more say in what we're doing here, okay? And then <laughs> go about it that way. But but when the AD yeah. does what he did, it's much harder for Marcus Freeman to walk into that room and say this is what how it's going to be. Much harder. That was the mistake. And it was—it's no secret either that 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 Jack Swarbrick is very high on Al Golden as well. I mean, he said so. So you wonder were these really Marcus Freeman's numero uno choices? It's a fair question. This is a fair question. This some more pottery than another super chat. Thank you very much for that. I see so many teams score so much more with way less talent. I'm so sick of this. They should have easily scored 70 points today. So pathetic. I mean. I would have said probably call off the dogs. I mean, I don't think the point should have been way different than what they were today, like, you know, like 59, and then call off the dogs a little bit and, you know, run the ball in the fourth quarter, that kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, they should have definitely scored a lot more today. I mean, they should have scored. They could have scored. I mean, conceivably, they could have had 44 in the first half if they were a well-coached football team.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean – Really? I mean, does anyone want to push back against that? Guys, they had yeah. seven, they had six possessions in the first freaking quarter. Some teams will only will go through a full a whole game with as many possessions as Notre Dame had in the first half. They hold on. Let's see here. That's so that was six, seven, eight. They had nine offensive possessions in the first half, fellas. Nine. Against against Navy,
3: we're pro- Notre Dame would probably get like seven, seven.
2: maybe.
1: They'd yeah. be fortunate to have nine possessions an entire game against Navy, correct? Yeah. Unless Navy keeps trying to throw the ball like they did today against Houston, and it's not going to go well. But, of course, <laughs> that would require you to intercept the pass, and I don't know if Notre Dame's players know they're allowed to do that. Uh, Mark Young – I'm sorry, that was petty. Uh, Mark Youngman with a super <laughs> chat. Thank you, Mark. Hope you didn't already cover this. Can someone explain how Notre Dame can be so bad in the red zone defense appreciate everything you guys do for the Irish community. Mark, that's a great question. And I'm actually going to write that down right now uh, because I think that would be a great conversation to have tomorrow after we've broken down the film. So uh, for the, upon further review. So I'm actually going to write that down red zone defense. Cause they're not very good in the red zone on either side of the ball, but their red zone defense is like, once you get in the red zone, it's like, they almost can't stop people. And so it's no. for different reasons. You lose contain on the quarterback, you know, you have some kind of dumb penalty. You know, it's strange. It's very strange. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Now, the thing is, they make them work. Usually, I mean, they you usually get three or four possessions inside the five, and the teams have to, you know, they don't score them first down a whole lot. But yeah, they their inability to keep teams out of the end zone is, and once again, the red zone is troubling. But Mark, that's a great question, and, and we as that's more of a break down the film and look at the specific calls and the execution of all eleven. To really identify that. So that's going to be more of a, a red zone uh, defense issue. Ryan, I'm dropping that hint to you because I, I think I might force you to be on the show tomorrow because um, we'll have to see about that. But we we, sh- we shall see. Just keep that in mind. Uh, Blake Jar, I think Marcus Freeman should start over at OC and DC. I, I, I hear that a lot, Blake. I appreciate the super chat. Kirk DA Anderson Fitness with a super chat. Thank you very much, Kirk. OC Reese needs to tell QB coach Reese to do his freaking job. Preach. Preach, Um John Monty with Chat. Thank you, John. What are they practicing? Pine needs to practice hitting his receivers. Man, that's very frustrating watching him. Great show. Go Irish. John, so here's something that I have been told uh, is part of the problem. Uh, Notre Dame is, and I've talked about this before, but I've had it confirmed that it's as like it was, but sometimes a little bit worse. They practice for success in practice. And what that means is is they do they they always they're always trying to put themselves in a call that works that that the that works best. And they're not doing enough early in the week. Yes, do that because you need to get into a rhythm. But then as you guys get into the week, it's hey, let's start giving some looks that maybe aren't ideal for this call. So the quarterback knows what to do when that doesn't work out. I've been told for by multiple sources they don't do enough of that. And that's been an issue for years. And I mean, who did he learn from? that you know so i i think i think that's a bit of an issue patrick Tolan with a super chat thank you patrick has, has ronnie mills played his way into the nfl draft so far this year ryan i will let you address that one
3: look i mean the nfl is always going to be interested in a 6'5 293 pound player that can play multiple positions on the defensive line i just i don't think he's done enough or going to be a high enough draft pick in 2023 to be a true candidate to declare early. I mean, but Patrick, I mean, if you're asking me, will there be interest? Yeah, for sure. Riley Mills will get drafted just off of traits. Like he would 100% get drafted. But I, I don't see any reason that Riley should declare early for the NFL draft. He yeah. still needs to keep evolving as a player. But yes, I mean, there will certainly be interest in him. No doubt
1: about it. So basically, Ryan, what you're saying is he has definitely put himself on the NFL draft radar for oh, n- yeah. next year. Right. Well, right.
3: I, I, Brian, I mean, Brian, I would say it like this, right? If Riley Mills declared for the draft this year for whatever reason, I would be pretty certain he'd be drafted based upon his traits, it'd right? Late. But
1: it'd be
3: yeah, it'd be late. Exactly. He he's not like he's not going to go top hundred this year based upon what he's done. Right. Could he get there next year? It's possible. He's got he's got he's a lot had of talent. A
1: good no. year. He has not had a great. Yeah. He's had a good year. Riley's been a good football player this year, mm-hmm. and he's had some big plays for him. Uh he just he hasn't taken kind of that big jump to where you're like whoa, like this guy's a dude. But um yeah, I mean part of it's they he's kind of been moved around a lot, you know, they've never really got comfortable like one position. So but he's 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 been he's been solid this year. John Monty with a super chat. Thank you, John. I honestly think they only run three or four plays. Come on, Reese needs to get his head out of his fanny. And honestly, John, I'm okay with them not running more than three or four run plays. I mean, guys, have you ever heard me say they don't run enough run plays? No, you've heard me say they don't have any diversity in what they do running the football. I mean, if all they did was inside zone, counter, stretch, buck sweep, and some kind of like ISO short yardage play with a lead blocker, Mm -hmm. uh, fine. You don't need a whole lot more than that, fellas. I mean, you really don't. That's the beauty of running zone. You don't have to run zone and nine other run concepts. Because the beauty of zone is you can run it out of a million different looks and the, and it, and the rules never change the alignment. Or the backs. So, you know, um Yeah. Tyler binge with a super chat. So a head coach that wants coaches to treat people right and build relationships, doesn't have coaches under him. That does that's a cultural culture killer. Then. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, but again, what's he supposed to do? Fire five coaches in the middle of the season. I mean, you got, we got to be realistic about what possibly can be done right now. And, and so, and if, and if you did go in and say to a coach, Hey, you're done after this year, then what's his incentive to do what you want him to do. You know what I mean? So, um I'm I'm not absolving Marcus Freeman, I'm just saying there are some things he can fix now and some things he can't fix now. He's got to focus on the things he can fix now. And I don't think he's doing enough of that in my opinion. You guys disagree? Feel I will say agree. this,
2: I will say this to those that might think after one season it might be hard to make a decision. He wouldn't have to make a decision after one season. He has precedent going back to the previous regime. It's not like Tommy has been the OC just for one year. Right. He's been the OC. And you can go back and say, look, what we've seen over the previous three to four, that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. I can't win a national title with that. Yeah. Like that's if you choose to make that decision, it's not going to be solely about this year. It's right. going to be about Coach Freeman taking a step back and looking over the totality of the job he's done in that position.
1: You've had six years, yeah. six years to build this position group up to be better than it is. Recruiting and That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about the – I mean, just, just the quarterback stuff alone. Mm-hmm. Two years in a row, you've completely bungled quarterback recruiting. Yeah. I mean – Two years in a row, you've completely dropped the ball. And that doesn't even get into the 2019 class bungles. I mean, the fact that you were a miserable human being towards your 2018 quarterback to the point where the kid wanted to quit football, not because he wasn't playing, because you treated him so – I'm going to curse. caught myself, Sean. caught myself. Yeah. Well. You know, it's that stuff that bothers me. Right? That's the stuff that bothers me. Kevin Fetters of the Super Chat. Thank you, Kevin. It's a lack of killer instinct both early and late to put teams away been endemic for years. I'm going to say that's true of the defense in the second half. But, I mean, again, guys, I don't know what else the defense and special teams could have done in the first half outside of one play. I mean, they, guys, they gave the offense the ball in UNLV territory seven times in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. If that's not – I mean, it should have been 70-7 to the way that they were doing that. Fellas, I mean, you know, that's a bit hyperbolic, but you get the point that I'm making, right? You get the ball that close that many times, you should have at least – I mean, they should have had at least four touchdowns out of seven and two i Tavius with a super chat. I appreciate you very much. Love seeing your kid with the IB hat on in in that avatar right there. Felt like I needed to take a shower after this game. I just felt dirty. Cheers, gentlemen. That's the sad thing is, is that there just wasn't a lot of excitement from the head coach to the players, to us, to the fans, about a 44 to 21 win. You guys saw it after the game. I saw it. I watched the kids leave the field. I watched Marcus Freeman in the press conference. Sean, you watched the kids give interviews afterwards. Did they seem like a team was super fired up about winning 44 to 21? No. Because no. these kids are smart. They know. They know. I mean, it's good enough to beat UNLV. That's not good enough to beat. These kids have played. I mean, Michael Mayer's played against Clemson twice. Yeah. He's played against Cincinnati. He's played against good football teams. He knows this. what we did today. This ain't getting it done. Mm-hmm. This ain't getting it done. Derek Calmer with Super Chat. Thank you. If Tommy outran that cop, do you think he'd be more apt to let his players use their speed and space? That is so wrong. That is so messed up on so many
2: levels. The crazy thing is, it's, it's actually it's actually funny. <laughs> That's, but it's funny. It is it's funny. funny. <laughs> It's funny.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh man. It's
3: very funny. Actually. It's really, really funny. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben Tarnowski asked, is there a story written about how the Reese jerkovic thing went down? There was an article coming out of Boston this year before the season that had a little bit about that, but yeah. um, I also had, a was very involved in that um, in a lot of ways I can't really explain publicly, but Uh, I was pretty, I was was made pretty well aware of what happened during that situation, and if if I could say publicly some of the things that I was told by sources within the program about how that went down, um, uh, yeah, sounds like a nice book after you retire. There'd be people asking me then, honestly, honest question. Then people asking me, why did you support him to be the offensive coordinator this year? And it'd be fair, it'd be a fair criticism. I'm just being honest be a very fair criticism. And Sean knows the stuff. So he, he, he knows where I'm coming from. And that was, I think part of the hesitation that Sean had. And that, that was, that was, that's, I messed up. I should have been more, I should have been more skeptical. I was just so happy to be done with Brian Kelly. <laughs> and that I was like, you know what? It's going to be good. Cause he's not here anymore. And I shouldn't, I should have, I should have stuck to my original guns on that one. That was a mistake. And I'm willing to admit that. I'm absolutely willing to admit that. You mean you mean that people can take accountability for mistakes? I know, right? Wow. I know. Wow, crazy. I know. Imagine that. Josh Phillips Reese's new nickname nickname, A-Gap Tommy. <laughs> you guys are on a roll tonight. <laughs> Chief Brody uh, went to the game today. Stadium was a snoozer. You know, and and and, and at times I'm critical of the nerdy fans. Like I think that if you ask someone in front of you to sit down, unless you are, and I and I do not say this flippantly, unless you are in a situation where you are physically not able to stand, if you guys get where I'm coming from, I understand, mm-hmm. you know, but they're positioned differently. If you ask someone to sit down during a football game, you should be asked to leave. I mean, that, that's, I think they're doing it opposite. They're asking people who stand up to leave. You know, but that's what Notre Dame does, right? That that's the kind of crowd that they invite when they charge ticket prices the way that they charge ticket prices. But yes, but honestly, outside of that, what is there? What was there to be fired up about today? You know what I mean? Like I thought the crowd got pretty fired up on the block punts and some of that stuff. I thought they were pretty loud. But outside of that, it's like okay, block punt. Let's turn it into a field goal. Woohoo! You know, what do you expect? How you expect? How excited do you expect them to be? You know, so. They're about as excited as the players are right now. Like, yo, and
3: that's,
2: you know, Ryan, that's why I'm willing to give some of these lack of concentration things that we see Mm -hmm. a little bit more empathy than most people give them because I feel like the players are almost at the end of their rope. Yeah. For certain individuals. I think they they respect because they show respect, but I think just the way everything's going, because I think, think about this. There was energy from the players because they felt like a different energy was coming in. And they came back only to see this is the same bullcrap. Sean. We've been dealing through with. the BYU game.
1: Through the BYU game, one of the comments we made was other than Marshall, we did not question this team's emotion. They emotionally met Ohio State emotionally. They emotionally mm-hmm. were ready to play Carolina in BYU. That changed last week. And I think part of it to your point, Sean, is when it's the same what y'all gotta understand what goes into a Saturday you knew what happened last week and you come out and all you get is your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault. You're not playing. You're not playing. We're going to do the same freaking we did last week. Why would you be fired up about coming out to play today? Mm -hmm. Why? You know what a fire guys up. Okay. We did some stuff. We're going to have some fun today. We're going to have some fun today. Mm -hmm. You know, but that's not, that's not the way it is. Again, I thought the defense played with some fire. I, I really did in the first half, and that went away, right? Because they were making plays. They were doing some stuff that was a little bit different. The linebacker, marshall was being triggered a little bit more on first and second down. Like, they had a nickel fire. Defense was playing good. And then they went away from that in the second half, and they got complacent and, you know, couldn't put this team away. I cannot believe that their has played Marshall in U N O V at home and Stanford at home, who stinks. Stanford scored 15 points again today, by the way. They beat Arizona State, who fired their coach 15 to 14. So Arizona State played them tougher than Notre Dame did and was at Stanford. Uh, but, uh, and they have yet to have a game where they could get their backups in. Yeah, and they were going to have part. to hear them crying about, well, you know, we just don't have a lot of guys of experience in this position. Well, whose fault is that?
2: Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? I love
1: when people say stuff like it's not their fault. Well, I mean, it's not my fault that the guy didn't play last year. Yeah, kind of is. Kind of is. Like one of the biggest things, one of the things I hate more than anything is, you know, players determine playing time. Bull freaking crap. I never once in my time as a coach had a player come and say, hey, coach, I'm playing 30 snaps this weekend. Uh, no. Uh, you're not. I determine that. Coaches determine that. Well, what that means is, no, no, I know what it means. But in my time as a player, as a coach following this, there's been plenty of kids who did everything they needed to do in practice and still didn't play, right? Do you think Greer Martini and Niles Morgan didn't play over Joe Schmidt because they were jerking around in practice and not paying attention and not in the film room, not working hard? No, no, that wasn't an issue. The coaches determined what was going to be the case. And, you know, that's just the reality of it. So, you think Tobias Merriweather's just like kind of hanging out in the background, not doing anything, and, and Deion colsey's is hanging out, not doing anything in practice the first six weeks, of the first six games of the year? Or do you think they were doing everything they were asked to do, but they just chose not to play him? Which one do you think is more true? We did have another super chat pop up here, guys. A couple more, actually. Uh, I want to respond to this. This isn't a super chat, but Tyler Binge says analyst positions are overrated. It's important but they are like temp jobs. No, 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 no. You are way missing the boat on this one. Uh, With all due respect, if you handle your analyst positions well, it's a huge benefit to your program. Huge. That's why people like Saban and Ryan Day and Sark is doing that at Texas, hire veteran proven coaches. They are kind of in retirement mode or head coaches that got fired that are still really good football coaches. Like David That's why they, Right, exactly. <laughs> or David Cutcliffe or like people like that, that, hey, I don't want to be a full time coach anymore because I don't want to be on the I don't want to be on the road recruiting. I don't want to be in the grind. But you know what? I still love breaking down film. I still love putting scouting reports together. I still like doing that. Here's a 100 grand. Let's do it. You know what I mean? So the way that college program is set up now, if you're not using your analyst positions effectively, you're missing out. And if Notre Dame's not paying enough to get those guys, and I'm just, hypoth- I don't know if that's the reason, they're not paying enough to get really quality analysts, and that's a mistake because they're not giving the, the the entire staff enough resources to go be effective. Because like, here's the thing, if I'm putting a game plan together this week for UNLV, I, how much time can I spend getting ready for Syracuse next week? Do you know what would be great? If I had two coaches that I trusted – that knew the game that I could listen to and say, "Hey, this is your job. You're my advanced scouting guy." So when I sit down Sunday night to put the game plan together, I got my cut ups, I got my scouting reports, I got my, I've got my tendencies, I've got my third down stuff from someone that I know, not from some GA who was playing college football last year, you know, but from a from a coach that I know knows the game. Then that's going to give me a huge head start on going out there and do my my film prep and my work prep for that next week's game. Huge advantage. So I'm going to disagree with this, Tyler. I think analyst positions are incredibly important, incredibly important. And if you're not using them correctly, then that's, that's a, that's a, a problem. I'm not saying that's Notre Dame's issue. I'm just saying that's a problem. I mean, Notre Dame's hiring young guys as analysts, and some of them I hear really I hear a lot of good things about Tyler Mendelson. I don't know him personally, but I hear a lot of good things about him. I heard I've heard a lot of good things about some GAs they've had in the past. Larry Black being one. I still have Notre Dame players and parents to talk about the job that they learn more under Larry Black as a GA than they've learned from any of their other D-line coaches. He's at Vanderbilt now. So, you know, if you're hiring the right people, GAs and analysts are are assets if you're doing it right. Yeah. But sometimes it can be a young guy. Sometimes it's some 24-year-old wicked smart kid who maybe just wasn't a great football player, but he's really smart. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes, though, it's probably smart to go get a veteran guy that can help you with that. Or if you have a young offensive coordinator like Tom Marisa, it would have been really smart to hire an analyst who has been a veteran. Like you know, like, And I don't know if it's true or not that they tried to hire David Cutcliffe. I have no clue. I have no clue if David Cutcliffe wanted the job. But hypothetically, if David Cutcliffe wanted the job, it had been really smart to hire him as an analyst, because yeah. it's a great resource to just spitball off of and, and say, "Hey, look, man, I've been there, I've done this before, right?" And and you definitely you know, have a good
3: quarterback coach on the uh, staff then. If you
1: had David, well, I mean, so he wouldn't be coaching the quarterbacks, but he could give advice sure. and help and tips. And hey, here's something to really. Work. I had a kid because here's here's what experience does. I had a kid who had that same issue about 25 years ago, and here's what I did. Here's what worked for me. Or here's, here's what I did, and it made it worse. Well, don't do that. You know, that's what that's my experience. Why, why do you think coaches call other veteran coaches or guys they know and respect? You hear this all the time. You know, Urban Meyer would go visit with Bill Belichick in the offseason and vice versa. They weren't just hanging out drinking beers. I mean, I'm sure that's part of what they were doing. But they were two people that respected each other that they knew would challenge each other ab- about things or give each other new ideas and new practices. And, hey, this is a great drill. I mean, some of the best things I ever got from coaches that I respected wasn't a scheme. It was a drill. Man, we're running this play, and I just can't get my backs to make this cut. Hey, you know what? We do this drill, and this is how we work on this. It's really worked for us from a technique standpoint. It's a great idea. And you implement the drill, not the scheme. You know the scheme, but you implement the drill. And that's why coaches should always be looking to be surrounded by as many smart people as possible, either on your staff or people in your Rolodex of people you can call when you're struggling. And I I can't get this play going. Hey man, send me some of your last game. Cool. Hey, I'm watching this. You guys are reducing your backside splits on this play and it's a dead giveaway. Every time I think about that, because we've run it so much that I even think about that, but you give somebody who knows the game, some fresh eyes. And they can do that. But if you have an analyst in that role where your job, your only job, you have analysts do different things, your job is to self-scout us and find out the things that if you were facing us, like if I was an offensive coordinator, I'll be honest with you, one of my analysts would be a former defensive coach because I would want him breaking me down every week, what are the things that we're doing that that would be easy for you to defend or tendencies that you could pick up? And what are some things that we're that we're that we can do that you'd be like, man? I hope they don't use that guy that way. Why, why not do that? That's that's what I would want if I was. That would be one of my analyst positions. Would be a former defensive coach who would just be breaking us down as if he's preparing to stop us every week, uh-huh. and then talking to me about the thing. Hey, man, every time you guys run this pull, this G pull, your your splits are th- four inches shorter. A good coach is. This coach may not figure it out. That coach may not figure it out. But you know who's going to figure it out? Nick Saban's going to figure it out, right? Jim Knowles is going to figure it out, right? He quiet, Kelsey's going to figure it out. You you know what I mean, guys? Dave Aranda's going to figure it out. Jim Leonard's going to figure it out, right? And those are the games. Kirby Smart's definitely going to figure it out, right? right? That's what good coaches should be doing, surrounding yourself with as many good people as possible. And if you're afraid that someone may – Undermine your authority. That's your mental weakness, not theirs. That's not a them problem. That's a you problem. And that's my rant on analyst positions. That's that, that's
3: also if someone has that type because I, I saw someone say that's an ego thing. I think that's a lack of belief in yourself. If you're that's afraid a to have fragile people ego around you, agility. yes, hundred percent.
1: If I really had an ego, I'm not worried about you. Exactly. If I had, if I had a fragile ego. You want to know two people I would not have hired? Them. Because I would want people to just agree with me all the time. But I don't want that. I've said that. How many times have I told you guys that? Don't just agree with me all the time. Right? But that's what you do. That's that's what good coaches do. If Urban Meyer had a fragile ego, do you think there's any chance in heck that he hires Ryan Day as his offensive coordinator? He hired a guy that's smarter than he is when it comes to offense. I that's disagree. not easy to do. I disagree. That's not easy to do. Well, it's fine. I'm just, I'm just right? playing. <laughs> but do you get what I'm saying, though, guys? Yeah, you right? made it. That's game what game good coaches game. do. So,
2: yeah, yeah. So. so I, I, just to talk about that, I think was that was one of the important things that came out this week, right, that they have this position, has not been filled.
1: How does that happen, Sean? Why? Why hasn't
2: it been filled? And I'll say this. I've had the opportunity this year to, with everything that's happened, I've had people reach out to me to ask me. <laughs> I'm not doing that, Derek. But <laughs> I've had people reach out to me to ask me, yo, what's going on? I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that. And there's been one person at the center of the majority of those questions. Same here. So the word is getting out. And usually when you can't hire somebody to a certain position, it's either salary and benefits or mm, I don't know if I want to take that position. Right. It's not an attractive position. Yeah. Yeah. For certain reasons. And yeah, the word in a sense has gotten out. Yeah. Around college football. Like,
1: yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Yep. Last super chat. From John the Falcon. Thank you, John, very much. This not coaching the defensive players, not on the two deep, was this a practice under Coach Freeman, Coach Lee, or is this new in 2022? It's there's look, you never coach your entire roster the same way once the season starts. You just can't spend enough time because you're down here with the first, you know, the varsity defense and they're down on the scout team, right? But there are still things you do to be involved with them still making sure you coaching them up an individual and things like that. So you never fully like coach the entire roster the same exact way once the season starts, but there's that. And then there's just not coaching them at all. And so that's why you're not going to see a chant, a change at linebacker because the kids, the, the young linebackers would be woefully unprepared to go play football right now, woefully unprepared to go play football Hopefully. right now. So, um, it, it, it's never been this bad. Like that's one of the things I used to praise Mike Elston for. He did a great job with that, and he really used his GAs as in a, to his advantage in that regard. Like sometimes he'd have, like if especially have a, a GA that he trusted, uh, Larry Black. I always use him as an example because he it was even more so with him. Is he would literally let Larry Black go work with the D tackles, and Elston would just take the D ends because then that allowed him to coach more kids because he's only on one position. Mm-hmm. And and he would let him speak to players. Like Harry Hestand was like that. You know, obviously, yeah, I, I, has been like that at times with certain coaches, as GAs he's had. Where he'll actually let them. He takes this side, and that and that guy takes that side. But that guy's working with the first teamers on the right side, and Harry's working with the first teamers on the left side, and the backups on the left side, and the backups on the right side are working with the other GA.
2: Yeah,
1: Mike Denbrock did that with uh, Ryan Mahaney, Mahaney. He had a GA when Denbrock was the OC. He had a GA that was a really good receivers coach. And so he would let Mahaffey speak to those players in a way that like he was a position coach, which then allowed Denbrock to focus on his OC jobs, but the, the receivers were never lacking for coaching. And that's what good coaches do. Hire a guy that I can be really good. So sometimes I can't always be there. Hey, GA, I need you to watch film of the scout team this week. I want to see how Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Snead are doing,
0: mm-hmm. Right.
1: And then, like sometimes, this is what we do. I, when I was coaching, you'd have coach, hey man, you know, so and so had a had a great week of practice in there for us. So you 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 call that kid, hey man, look, I just talked to the guys You know, watch your film. You had a great week of practice this week, man, on the scout team. Keep it up, buddy. Keep it up. None of that. Now some positions that's happening, but like it's not happening in linebacker. I'm not hearing that about the D line. You know, like that's a mistake because that's when you lose kids, and you lose them mentally. You know, you never know you never know when you may need that kid get your linebackers, a target waiting to happen, you know, and then you're an injury away from needing those kids to play. So those are the things that coach Freeman is to see and adjust and fix, but that's not how it was under Marcus. Freeman. The way the defense is run on a day-to-day basis is so different this year than it was under Marcus Freeman. Here's an example. Somebody I was told, I was talking to somebody real close to the program this week and they said, here's a, here's a deal. Um, Last year, when, when they would go to a game and something would not work, they said Mark Coach Freeman would spend a whole next week in drills working on that thing that didn't work to fix it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the scheme he'd still focus on scheme and doing all that kind of stuff. He said, but he really focused on playing the game the right way because there's none of that this year, they just keep doing the same stuff over and over again. There's no focus on the finer points of it, like you know, because you've got two NFL guys at the position now, the NFL they don't focus on. I mean, Sean, no. you've been, how many NFL, they don't focus no. on fundamental, they, they still no. coach it, but not, it's not to the, like there's, there's fundamentals and then there's scheme and then it's the sliding scale, right? And colleges no. should be more here and NFL, it's more here. You just assume that these 28, 29, 30 year olds know how to line up and block and tackle, right? Well, in college, it's more so, you still got to teach these kids how to line up, block and tackle. And, you know, so that's the key. Listen, yeah, else, yeah, Go ahead, Sean. Which is
2: why he had to publicly apologize to Jay Mickey. Like, yeah. yo, I did not teach him. I didn't coach him up for that. I haven't done it. I haven't done a good enough job, so I shouldn't put him in that position. Yeah. Oh, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And maybe you need to tell your uh, offensive coordinator that. Because like, yeah. he's not coaching them up, and he's not putting them in good positions. He's not doing either. Nope. He's not doing either. So, that is, I can say this based upon what you're saying, they practice the exact same way they practiced back in 2015 offensively. Which is, this we're running. This is the look they're going to give us. Like, forget if they come out in a different look. Heaven forbid they scout us. (laughs) Yeah. and what we're going to do. They would never do that. No one would ever be smart enough to do that, not to come out and give us a look that's advantageous to the call. That we've been running know.
1: the same thing every single game. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Like, since we're not doing our job, we expect every other coaching staff not to do their job. So, And we'll just see who has the better players. That's
1: literally – Somebody – Tyler Ben said said this. Coach Marcus Freeman is a competitive guy. You know he isn't happy with this. Tyler, that's all we said at the very beginning of the show. <laughs> you go back and watch his press conference, watch his body language, listen to his tone. He was not happy after the game. He's trying to keep – And I was see- actually happy. I, I That's the only thing that made me happy today, Sean. Yeah. Like, literally, like, well, seeing two RPOs, I can't believe how excited I was to see two <laughs> RPOs completed, right? Like, I was yeah. thrilled. Can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Tyler, go watch his – Go watch his press conference. I mean, Sean, you you saw it. You watched it, Sean. T- yeah. Talk to me about his body language and his tone after the, in that press. 44-21 was- victory. Talk to me about his tone and his body language. That well, it
2: started with his post-game comments on the field, Zora Stevenson.
1: Yeah.
2: She so if I asked him, like, you know, were you pleased with the game? And he's <laughs> kind of chuckled and <laughs> laughed and was like, we got a long way to go. We're a good team, but we got a long way to go. And I'm like, okay, at least he's honest. At least he's honest. He didn't give us, you know, the coach talk. Man, you know, some things we're not happy with, but look, we won by 23 points. That I, no, he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy in the alma mater. Wasn't happy at his press conference. And uh, his press conference was shorter than his other press conferences. It was almost like he was ready to, uh, he was ready to get out of there before he says something that he didn't want to say. And I think he's getting to a point where you know how you keep talking to someone and telling them, you know, I think this, I think that. and You're really not putting the hammer down. You're, you're being suggestive. Like, you know, I think we should probably go to this. I think we should probably go to that. or I think we might think about doing this defensively or adding this to the practice or so maybe, you know, look at different things in different ways, you know, teams might try to come at us defensively in this look. And in being suggestive, you're kind of leaving it up to the other person to kind of take the advice and implement it. And when you see that, you know, your input is being ignored. Right. Like, That's okay. why
1: I think he was pissed. And I wanted to show this picture. Sean, you nailed it right there. I want to show you this picture right here. This is him singing the alma mater. Does that look like someone who's happy after a 44-21 win? And that was his facial expression the entire post game, post game interview, walking off the field, all of it. That wasn't someone who was relieved that they got a win. Someone who's pissed that they didn't play to the level he expected. And it's also, somebody says, why doesn't he fix it? I think that part, Sean, is what I'm most curious about. Because we heard lip service from Al Golden and Tommy Reese this week. I actually Mm -hmm. think Al Golden did that on Saturday. I I do. I'm, I'm telling you. I don't know if you guys, it sounds like you guys may not agree with me. I actually thought the first half on defense, we saw change. We saw aggressiveness. We saw the linebackers shooting. We saw less doing a million different things. We saw less making a million checks. They were lined up. They were ready to go. They were ready to play. There were some mistakes made, right? It happens. Yeah. But outside of a couple mistakes, I thought they were dominant in the first half. We saw Foskey come out playing harder. We saw Maris Lua foul when he was being allowed to trigger was effective. J.D. played better. Not mistake-free, but a lot better. We saw them really attacking. It was what we... Kind of he said, this is the challenge to us. Simplify things a little bit, be more aggressive. And then offensively, same old stuff. Same old stuff. You know, stuff that I was told, this is what they're practicing this week. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I believe when I see it. Sure. Okay. And then you get to the game and it's this. And that's what I think is frustrating. This is my opinion. Yeah, my opinion. But that's why I think he was frustrated. Say, why doesn't he change it? He's trying. I think he's trying. There, there's just some things you can't change right now. You know, but I, that was not the look of someone. You look at his face expression in the post-game press conference, guys. That was not the look of someone who was content with a 44-21 to win. And I don't think it was just because they gave up a couple touchdowns late. I don't think that's why. It, it just, to me, my opinion, it looked, there's a lot more to it than that. There's a lot more to it than that. So, am I reading too much into that, Sean? I mean, you watched the entire press conference. I didn't. I watched the first five, four or five minutes and had to leave. But I mean, am I am I missing am I missing the boat here with that? No. And, and is I that think, why you said the whole being ignored thing? Is that kind of where you're coming from with that? No. I mean,
2: you as a coach or as a parent or as a boss, you suggest to give ideas to people that work with you or under you. And you wait for them to implement it as they see fit. You give it to to them in a form suggestively so as not to be uh, controlling, in a sense, but hoping that they pick up on the fact that, you know, things need to change. And I think that's his overriding mentality towards a lot of things he understands what's going on in that red zone defensively like we talk about changes that are being made he understands what's going on in that red zone defensively you guys going to talk about it tomorrow he knows he knows and maybe there are certain things he's suggesting that he's still not seeing and he's like and it might be coach driven it might be player driven i've never personally i've never seen a quarterback juke somebody standing still never seen that until today jd just ran right past him i don't know it wasn't even a juke he just flew past the quarterback it's just certain thing and marcus freeman after that play was the most exacerbated i've ever seen he literally took off his headset and just was like you gotta be kidding me you have got to be kidding me like when we get the opportunity to make a stop in the red zone finally this happens. And he's not even a scrambler. you <laughs> a scrambling quarterback on the He ground. was
3: today. He was today.
2: So what does that say? There are so many. It's I, Marcus Freeman, you think you said this earlier, Brian. You think you're scrambling to figure out what the heck is going on because there's so much. How do you think he feels?
1: He's got and a lot more on the line too. than I do. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Heck I mean, yeah. look, Notre Dame winning and losing affects our livelihoods. It does. People, you know, they lose and people quit memberships, cancel memberships, don't watch the postgame show, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? It, it's the way of life. But there's a, still a lot more at stake for him than us by a million years. There's no question about it. And, can there's one thing. Can we please, please stop talking about the whole Marcus Freeman doesn't know offense stuff? You cannot be a good defensive coordinator if you don't know offense. That's what you're trying to stop, offenses. How can you know how to stop inside zone if you don't understand inside zone? Can we please stop with that? Please. I never coached defense a day in my life. But I could break down your film, and I knew exactly how to go at you because I understood your coverage structure. Could I go coach a cornerback how to play that coverage? No, I could not. I was an offensive coach. But just stop with that. That That's that's not a real thing. There's no way he got to this point in his life if he doesn't know offense. He couldn't have been a linebacker at Ohio State and have 100 tackles his last year and be a fourth-round NFL draft pick if he didn't understand offense. From a structural schematic standpoint, what defensive coaches can't do is teach, teach it, per se, to offensive players. A defensive line coach knows run game on the offense. He just can't necessarily switch sides and teach them the finer points of how to run power O. But he knows what power O is, he knows how it works, and he knows how you got to try to stop it. Right. And that's how he needs to utilize that and help out the offense, in my opinion. It doesn't mean he needs to walk in there and start calling plays. Lou Holtz was a unicorn in that regard. And he also came from a different generation where coaches had to coach both sides of the ball. I mean, there were games in their name where Lou Holtz was calling plays on both sides of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's just rare and that's a different breed of people. Right. But trust me, he knows he knows offense. He knows offense. He's got a, I think somebody said it. Cole Barker said it. He said he's a coach's coach, and I think that's true. I think that's true. There comes a point in time, however, where, like you said, Sean, hey, guess who's mad? Guess whose name is getting written about in articles and whose job is on the line, who's getting called into the AD's office when we lose? It's not my line coach, my offensive coordinator, my defensive coordinator, my special teams coach, my DB coach, my analyst, my GA, my ball, water boy, You know, my trainer, my team doctor. No, it's me. Mm-hmm. So at some point, in time he's got to step in and say, "Fellas, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, no, this isn't good enough. This is going to change." But and he may be doing. That's the thing is, there's a lot we don't know behind the scenes. You can tell someone to do something, but you can't necessarily make them do it per se. So anyway. Guys, that's going to that's going to be it for now. That's going to be it for this show. Uh, I appreciate all the super chats. Uh, appreciate everybody being in the show. Good crowd tonight. I get the people frustrated. But at the end of the day, fellows and ladies, they still got a win today. They did. They got a 44 to 21 win today. I would much ra- we say it all the time. I'd much rather have stuff to work on after a W than after a loss. That's for sure. And they got a lot to cut. They got a lot to do cuz the next 5 weeks, fellows, is not going to be easy. <laughs> it is not going to be easy. So, and it starts next week with Syracuse. We'll be back tomorrow night with a probably go around 7 or 8 o'clock. It just depends on how much film we're able to get done tomorrow. Uh, so, I'll have to check with the guys on what their schedules are. But we'll have our upon further review tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Uh, 7 or 8 o'clock. So, we'll break down the film, talk about some things we like, some things we didn't like. We'll, you know, we'll look at that that red zone defense stuff and we'll take a peek at it see if we can kind of identify you know, kind of at least what that issue was for this particular game. We'll break down different things. There was some stuff there, you know, schematically stuff is coming open at times. It's like, that's the, I mean, so that's, that's the thing is well I mean, he's designing stuff that's working. Yeah. But you're not teaching in a way where they can execute it. And ultimately that still goes, boils down to the football, to the, to the football coaches. So we'll talk about a lot of stuff tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday. Ryan and Sean will be back together on Monday uh, to break down games, talk recruiting. Ryan, I believe you have an, an interview with a, uh, with a Don Schuler. That you did with him, that you will play during your guys's interview with during your show on Monday, I believe. Correct. Then of correct. course you'll talk yep. about the weekend's action. Uh, there were some Texas I mean, players from Notre Dame that were ballers. Did you guys see? Did you did you guys Ryan. think CJ Shroud bounced back from his or CJ Carr bounced like, back? Okay, car, from last week, Carr looked pretty
2: good this week, didn't he,
1: Ryan? Holy That's crazy. I thought I thought I thought it was going all down the hill from there. Yeah. Oh yeah, I thought it was a bust. I mean, we all boys, y'all knew that the head coach and D coordinator for whoever they played this week looked at that film and said, Oh crap. He's gonna be some cra-
3: Some some crazy week some crazy weeks though, man. I mean uh Jade Lamar had like 250 yards this Jane, week as well. So Jade
1: was... Lamar, Jeremiah Love, and Dylan Edwards. I haven't seen all the guys, but I know those three guys had yeah. monster nights. I actually watched. Uh, I watched Peyton Bowen on Thursday, but then I la- la- I couldn't sleep last night, so I watched Jeremiah Love's game against Edwardsburg. Yeah. Wow. He was good. Yes. And then I haven't watched he Jane worked. Lamar's game, but I looked at his numbers. Ryan, didn't he do it on like 17K, like 239 yeah. yards on like 17 carries?
3: And my four tighties. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, a guy that lives in, uh, a guy that lives in Kansas and goes to all of Dylan Edwards games, texted me last night. He said, Dylan Edwards had touchdown runs of 48, 62, 43 and two yards. And he said, he had two other long runs that were called back uh, by penalties.
3: <laughs> Happens him every game, man. Like every week he has it's like not- a 70 yard touchdown that gets called back. Like what the heck? Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. Absolutely. Hilarious. So, uh, so anyway, that's, uh, that's it for tonight's show. So they'll talk about that on Monday at one o'clock. They'll have a lot to talk about from that regard. Uh, May try to get into a little bit of a little bit of this weekend's game. So I'm going to get caught up on what those scores are. So anyway, everybody have a great rest of your game. Somebody just said Dylan Edwards is going to kill the (laughs) egg.
2: That's what I was laughing at. That's
1: brilliant absolutely brilliant all right fellas and uh, ladies and gents everybody's with us tonight thank you all so much we had mace ak had it in here guys where was it at where's mace's mace's end here we go haven't had this in a while join the message board everybody boards at irishbreakdown.com hit that subscribe button hit the notification bell share this podcast leave a five-star review visit the ib merch store uh, ib store for sweet merch like sean's hat and as always go irish thanks everybody have a great day Enjoy the rest of the games. Enjoy their Dame's W, and we will talk to you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.